Josh Alvarez. <laughs> and I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you're listening to episode 167 of Cinepunks. Cinepunks. Ah, oh, sweet baby Jesus. Yeah. We got some special guests on the show today. Yeah, that's yeah. why we're already laughing because they yeah, they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're already cracking us up and we're cracking each other up and it's already a good time. You missed have- it actually, audience. It sucks to be <laughs> We have Lindsay and Katie of Nerds and Beyond. You guys are the nerds and beyond, correct? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I like the, I'm the and beyond. beyond. Yeah, I was gonna say, what what is the beyond? I mean, I feel like nerds has come to represent a lot of different things. So what are we what's beyond nerds? It basically means that's up that, to your imagination. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I any, love that. Perfect. Basically means we can cover anything. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, uh, okay. So, like, this is not. This is a, sort of a similar space. Like, when for for me and Josh, when we first got this thing going with Cinepunks, there was a real feeling of like for when people when I would talk to people about maybe writing for the site or putting a show on the network, people always wanted to know like what the purview was, and me and Josh just kept being like, I don't know, is it cool? That seems like a good purview for like, is it cool? It's cool. <laughs> All right, let's do that. You know, like it's, it's, I, you know, I, I don't like feeling limited. I, I mean, not that there aren't realms of nerddom uh, or, 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 or high geekery that I don't know about. There's a lot of things I don't know about. I wouldn't say I'm a, I'm a nerd for all seasons, but, uh, but I do think that there's nothing I think would be outside the purview of stuff we'd want to cover if someone was passionate about covering that thing. So what are some of your favorite things that you cover on the site now? Like personally or? Yeah. I mean, even if it's not something that you write about, uh, there are things that you might be proud of that you're like, I'm so glad that's a part of like what we're about. We actually, um, so we're constant. We, we tell people if you love it, then it's nerdy. (laughs) You know, you're a nerd about it. You're a nerd about it. So it's valid. Uh, We actually, kind of started breaching into professional wrestling which was a yeah. large kind of step away mm. from what we had been doing we have and and it's written by um a woman which is amazing uh to me because i shout don't out to Haley. think yeah shout out to Haley. uh because there's not a lot of women covering professional wrestling so i'm really glad that we've sure, given her yeah. space to do that i love are that. you fans of, of professional wrestling or is is this just one of the things that we're proud of um that so, is yeah, so yeah, Basically, it's just, just what, proud of. Yeah, it's just um one of our uh, editors on the site just that's her thing. So she brought that to the site. Um, but that's a big thing that we do is that, you know, it kind of depends on everyone's interests. Like we have a group of people on the site that really love books. So they really focus on that, like um getting advanced copies of books, uh doing reviews for that. Um I mean, Katie and I really kind of specialized niche in the Star Wars and Marvel areas uh, for the website. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is there anything that since you've been doing the site that people have gotten you into that you're, you're like, Oh wow, this is my lane. This is a thing that I'm into. Oh, um, I'm, a, I'm pretty, I'm a picky person. You are. Um, oh, you're I very like picky. Uh, yeah. So I, I, as it sounds, I think I've, started liking less things (laughs) 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 um yeah i just i i get into pockets man i'm a hyper fixator so i hear you yeah when i hyper fixate i i stay in that lane for a while it's hard to get me out of it i will say i do like um 
even if it's not necessarily things that I'm interested in, uh, just in general, I mean, because we, you know, see the editing side of the website, I have learned so many things about different nerdy areas and different fandoms that I may not necessarily have looked into or cared about, but just kind of being a part of that scene, what goes on behind the scenes, I've definitely learned a lot. Josh, are there things that people from our site have gotten you into through Cinepunks? Famously. Liam O'Donnell has introduced me to a little band called the Mountain Goats. Oh, that's true. One of my most favorite bands of all time. (laughs) So that wouldn't have happened had we not been nerds together about cinema and punk, Liam. That's fair. I wasn't even thinking about music, though that is true, especially (laughs) our friend Adriana has really helped me appreciate more like uh, goth related stuff. I don't know. I feel a little awkward about goth as a musical genre, but the music that is associated with that stuff, a lot of it I'm a little ignorant on. And she's hit me to a lot of cool stuff that i really like uh but i was thinking more movies neptune uh, frost for me wouldn't have been a thing on my radar yeah, had no, i not that's been true. doing this so that that's was true. a movie that like i'd say like seminal you know what i mean like it's one of those movies that really did twist my eye and like my brain and totally like tweaked me so like afterwards i felt like i was different well and i'm pretty sure that wouldn't have happened without us well and i've watched more stop motion stuff because of your interest in that <laughs> Uh, and that's been really fun for me. I, I, like I knew that movie Alice, but that mm-hmm. was about it. I didn't know a lot of the other stuff that we've talked about. And, um, as far as film, yeah, I think, you know, again, uh, Adriana's interest in fast binder. I've been, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's something that's sort of bled into my life as well. And, um, I think, uh, th- there's a few folks on the site who, <coughs> at, at least in the past, but more now as well who have written about um, some of the uh, uh, horror movies I might have ignored, especially um, like uh, I famously was kind of skeptical of Hammer Horror films. Like I just was like, stuffy British shit. Like it's just not <laughs> something I was about. And actually I'm kind of stoked on it now. Like yeah. not universally because that's Sam a big Deegan, pool. Because she yeah, made yeah, us yeah, watch exactly, Raw Meat exactly. and that movie rules. Yeah, and Cater Mass in the Pit. Oh man, what an episode that was, huh? Yeah, that was fun. Uh, anyways, Lindsay, anyways. I was gonna say Lindsay. Lindsay got me into Mike Flanagan. Yes, oh, that, sure. that is true. Yeah. My, I did uh, not shut up about. Yeah, shows. yeah. My my co-host on my horror podcast, Justin Lore, is a Mike Flanagan stan, and like not just the the shows, loves the movies too. Like mm-hmm. it's just is is versed in his entire career, really, and as always, like even the things I haven't seen yet, he's like. You should really check this out. I'm like, all right, all right, I will, I will. I do love those shows, though. Holy shit! Yeah, uh, so we'll get into it in a little bit, but we're so excited to have you on. Uh, what? So I don't. I'll ask Lindsay here. Lindsay, what did yeah. y'all pick as our topic to discuss on this episode? Uh, so we will be discussing Rogue One, and then we will be diving into something that still has to do with space and sci-fi um but it's a little lesser known a movie called prospect i do like that it though does have our man uh uh pedro pascal Pascal. yeah because it's like uh, still still connected to the star wars universe in a sense you know well and the other the other actress sophie was in the book of boba fett oh Oh, yeah so we've got you wanted like the the mods right like those yeah 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 and this is uh pedro i think it's pedro's first reluctant begrudging dad role 
Yeah. Oh, exactly. that's shepherding yeah. a child to safety role. Yeah. yeah. That now is like, <laughs> yep. that's his thing, man. That's his thing. I will say <laughs> this child isn't magic, though. The other two sh- children are magic. <laughs> And this I don't know. Is, Dude, you think he's she's the magic? good shepherd? He's like the she Jesus saw of the his sci-fi arm off. universe. She did saw his Yo, that is okay. We'll get into it. I don't want to start that because that, that, that shit. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate that. I gotta say, like, uh, we, Josh, do you remember? I don't think we uh, we talked extensively about Rogue One. I think when it came out, we mentioned it, but it, we we I know we didn't do an episode on it. But I don't even think we covered it that deeply in Whacking on Track, right? I think we talked out. about it with Sean Bennis. Did we? I don't yeah. remember. Well, I'm glad. I know we've come... done this 167 times. You guys understand, so you know it's it, things get a little foggy at our age. Well, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm, ex- I'm excited to circle back to it. And uh, uh, the thing with Prospect is, when it came out in 2018, I was so stoked on it, and it just you know movies fall through the cracks. You get busy with life, things happen, and I even when I went to go watch it, it's still like on my to watch list. Like it's still there, and I was like. Oh right, I've been meaning to watch this movie for a while. <laughs> so I'm really glad to to get to talk about it with y'all. Before we do that though, Josh, we have to thank some people and I want to do this uh we're going to we're going to we're going to speed this up because our our mutual friend Sharky was like all the ads are too long. So I was trying to explain. <laughs> Sharky told us that his ad should just be a sentence and he gave us the exact sentence to say. And it's really say hard. It. Yeah, it, it's really hard for us to do it just a sentence. <laughs> And I, and I said, like, well, I think me and Josh and my other host, Justin Lore on the horror show, we all think that the more we talk, the better it is. And he was like, no, all the ads are too long. Just do us like two sentences for everyone. So that's what we're going to shoot for for these ads. And you guys can hold us accountable because I don't know if it's going to happen, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I'll, I'll start with the pa- Patreon, which is just uh, patreon.com bachelor cinepunks. Uh, the money you give us helps us do what we do. And we're really glad that now. We are finally giving you all some Patreon exclusive content. We still would like it if you would give us suggestions both for the Patreon content and for these episodes. If you support us on Patreon, we want to give you input on what we cover. All right, cool. Done. Let's do LVAC. Right. XLVACX.com. Go to Chris Reject if you need stuff printed like T-shirts and like, you know, stuff that needs printing. Go, Liam. Oh my God! I don't know if that was that was good. Yeah, okay. So good. It's a screen printer. He did screen printing. It's a screen printer. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, well, okay. So then I'm gonna I'm gonna insert Essex. here. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. 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 Oh, I was gonna insert here the thing. The other thing Sharky yelled at me about. Uh, I do a t-shirt company. We mention it sometimes, but I should just say it as an ad. So uh, roughcutfanclub.com. Um, we have a drop right now of heat. Uh, which is a shirt, a mug, and a specialty coffee from our next sponsor, Essex Coffee Roasters. EssexCoffeeRoasters.com. Uh, Aaron Dahlbeck, who is in Bain, great dude. Fucking he Bain offers, doing a reunion show? I know they're doing a reunion show. He didn't even tell us about that, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, he does high-quality coffee, roasted to order. Uh, if you enter the code CINEPUNK, C-I-N-E-P-O-N-X, you get 10% off your order. You know you want coffee. You know you want tea. He's got some sick T-shirts, too. Hit him up and... Circling back, go to roughcutfanclub.com, get that specialty coffee with the mug and the shirt. Heat, it's a great movie. Uh, and finally, of course, Josh, who else do we have to thank? The man, the myth, the legend. We have to thank our man Sharky at mechanicalsharkmedia.com. If you have any media that you need to produce, podcasts, TV, filming, uh, sound editing, any of that stuff, go to Sharky and he's got you covered. Tell him that Cinepunk sent you and uh, we'll all look way cool. Yeah, you'll Boom. make us look really good. Done and done. Sharky's the best. That's all you need to know. All right.
That was good, right? That was pretty fast. Whack it on track. Oh, and you already transitioned to the I segment. Did. Oh, See man. that? Swift. That was crazy. Swift. All right, Lindsay, Katie, we do a segment. It's called Whack It on Track. I talked to you about it already, but I'm going to pretend like I didn't. In Whack It on Track, <laughs> we talk about the awesome and the terrible uh, art and experiences we've had recently. Would you like to go first, second, slash, third, or fourth? Because there's four of us. Usually there's only three. I'm going to go second. Okay. Third. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to go first then. Josh can wrap up at the end. Right. Hey, y'all. I'm going to start with the whack, which is, you know, sometimes we're silly. Sometimes we're serious. I'm going to be serious for a moment uh, in my whack, which is just, uh, I'm sure uh, everyone has been thinking about this, but I have been just devastated hearing about uh, the destruction in Turkey and Syria. And um, I have not heard of a lot of ways to offer support other than some of the obvious ones, which are, you know, like the the Red Crescent or some other relief things. Um, I would love for Cinepunks to uh, have the opportunity to offer, uh, at the very least, promotion uh, to organizations that are doing the work to help with that immense disaster. I mean, the death tolls up to 11,000 people. It's crazy. Uh, so if you know of an organization um, that you think it could use our support and our uh, uh, spreading the word, hit us up on our social media. Uh, I've tried to do a little bit of research. I haven't found anything yet. Um, mostly what I've just found is more news about the event itself. Uh, so if, or if you know someone who has resources, we'll point people that way, but it's, it's just a horrifying thing. And, you know, it, it, it happened and it happened in the midst of people talking about the Grammys. So it was like trying to sort through, uh, uh, you know, caddy tweets about the Grammys and information on an actual disaster. It, it was, it was, it was not easy. And so um, I know a lot of people maybe even missed what was going on. Uh, so, you know, I, I just encourage folks to look into it. And if there's a way for you to support and you do have the resources to offer, I think that would be great. Uh, as far as on track for me, I finally caught up with a little movie called next exit. Have any of you seen this movie? No. Ooh, it's it's new. It's a uh, it's one of those films that I think people put it on their horror list because it involves possible ghosts, though, um, as to whether there are ghosts or not is a bit of a spoiler. So I won't get into that aspect of the movie, but it is a movie in which a uh, an organization claims to have pretty scientific proof that ghosts are real that they've seen they they've documented a ghost and that they claim to have further other evidence that the movie never really goes into that you know life continues in some form after death now what form does it continue in well they never really say uh but the movie focuses on two people uh a character named Teddy uh played by uh I think it's pronounced Raul uh, Coley uh who people might know from he was on that zombie show. What was that show? I Zombie or something I like zombie. that? Yeah, he was on that show. And then um, Katie Parker, who's been in a lot of different stuff, uh, plays character Rose. And these are two folks who have been accepted into this kind of pilot program that this clinic is running of like um, helping people with assisted suicides and then studying them to see if they can sort of more... Um, sort of uh, technically document what's happening to people after they pass away. And so these folks are against their will forced to road trip together to this place. 
And uh, it's a little on the corny side and that, you know, from the beginning, the sort of sentimental angle the movie's going to take on life and the, and the, and, and uh, the value therein, but it never falls over into preachy. It still takes seriously that folks have a lot of reasons if they knew that they're, that they would continue in some form after their death, that they might have a lot of reasons to want to leave this realm. Uh, not least of which being um, the, 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 the dangers and the uh, economic uh, hardships that people face. So it's not just that people are dealing with personal things, but the, the movie has to take on sort of the, the, the uh, death cult of capitalism itself. So uh, I, I really appreciate that part of it. However, most of the movie is not about that. It's part of the movie, but the movie is mostly about these two people who have very different reasons for being willing to participate in this program and about what they learn about each other on the trip. Um, now the central question that people might have is, okay, but is this organization correct? Are there actual ghosts or is this a scam? Uh, uh, one of the things is you got to watch the movie to find that out. It doesn't start off. I thought I was going in like, sure that that sort of conceit of what is basically an indie sci-fi but maybe not sci-fi movie you know depending on how scientific it all is uh movie that that was that conceit was like certain but the movie actually doesn't give you that information up front so uh you got to watch it to find out what we're dealing with here uh but yeah it's it's again i saw it on a few people's horror lists it's it's not a horror movie it, just because a thing has possible ghosts doesn't make it horror guys uh but it is i thought pretty effective um i think if you're someone for whom uh a movie that has sort of a an agenda about the value of life uh is a bummer then that this movie's not going to really do it for you uh uh but you know josh will tell you as much as i love super depressing stark movies i also really love sentimental movies that make me feel <laughs> kind of good so that's more what this is it's it's filmed in a way that takes very seriously human suffering and uh, uh, there's definitely, um, some hard parts of it in some ways, but all of that is in surface service to a more sort of, uh, positive take. Uh, so, you know, know that going in, but I, I thought it was really well done. So I was, I was kind of impressed. Uh, I also wanted to mention, um, me and Josh talk a lot on the show recently about the channel dropout. And, uh, I started watching a show on there called full forgiveness in which two oh, writers have so you watched good. that? Oh, I, I only watched the first episode, but I loved it. I just started it. And so for y'all, Lindsay Kate, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but if you haven't, uh, two, you know, sort of regulars on the channel who are known as both writers and performers, they come to the head of the company with a pitch, which is we both have crushing student debt. So we'd be willing to do a show that was a series of escalating dares, uh, in order to get, the company that we work for to pay off our student loans, which by the way, their loans are so big, that's not going to happen, but they do eventually agree to pay them a certain amount of money to help with the loans. But there is like a competition aspect where the two people challenge each other to these embarrassing, awful things. And so if one of them fails, then the person gets their money for that challenge to pay for their student loan. And so I thought, well, you know, these two people, two folks are, kind of wild they're kind of like crazy performers and so um i'm sure the stuff they do is going to be funny and crazy but the show also uses this as an opportunity to talk about the student loan crisis as like sort of a, a decide like hey these two folks are doing this because 
this is actually really horrifying and their lives are like really lived on the edge because they owe so much money in student loans, you know? And it's interesting to see the show take that seriously because I see these folks as performers on the show. So to me, they're great. They're funny, talented people. And I don't think about them like having to work other jobs because their student loan payments are so high. And so for the show to like take that seriously while they're also doing, in my opinion, incredibly funny shit is like, it's really great. It's like a fun combination of serious stuff. And they, you know, they don't always take it to that place necessarily, but they do. That's part of the show. Like when one of them is getting harassing phone calls from one of his creditors, cause his loan is in whatever default. That's like part of the show, you know, is like just that. So Episode one, the, one had leeches in it and it was disgusting. Yeah. That was really cool. Actually. It's, no, it's thank you. Yeah. There, I mean, these are both two pretty wild people who are comedians. So, the challenges are both upsetting, uh, well, various levels of upsetting. They've been a little mild so far, but uh, but still also funny. You know, they're not just mean; they're like humorous and what they're being asked to do. So I don't know. I've I've really enjoyed it so far. Uh, but those two things. That's about it for me. The only thing I want to say is, um, friend of the show. He doesn't listen, but I'm going to mention it anyway. Friend of the show, Will McAndrew. Uh, his band Poison Ruin just announced a full length on Relapse Records, which I did not Fuck see coming. Yeah. And uh, they put out a single from the full length and it's really fucking good. So if you like, uh, I don't know how to describe Poison Ruin, uh, epic punk that's kind of about medieval peasants, I guess. Uh, (laughs) Check it out. Poison Ruin. Uh, Yeah. So that's it. That's it for me. It is. It is. It's it's weird because it shouldn't work like, (laughs) hey, we're going to have a punk band and we're going to open with like a a musical a sting from like a Conan movie. That's how the EP is going to start. And then when we start playing, some of this is going to have like bits in it that kind of remind you of like old timey, like medieval style music, but it's not going to fall into like corny sea shanty territory. Whenever you do things that are old timey like that, you run the risk of coming across like bearded IPA enthusiasts who listen to sea shanties. <laughs> and the whole time you're listening, the whole time you're listening to this, you know that these are actual just normal punks who just wanted to do a band that had this weird medieval theme to it. And it's like really good and it never stops being like intense and fun. So I don't know. Poison Ruin, check it out. If if if, if that doesn't sound too ridiculous, then check it out. Uh, but that's all I got. Which of you wants to, I forget who said they were going second. I, I'll go. Awesome. Let's hear it. Uh, just to go off that, Lindsay, that reminds me of the Bard Corps. That you sent me. I was just about to say. <laughs> <laughs> what counts as bardcore? It's it's so it's 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 like medieval music, but they're medieval they versions like of the modern Star songs. Wars theme. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's Isn't hilarious. It like bands I, like Fintroll, you know that band? Like they all. I don't even know the band. Oh, I can't. I can't with no. Fintroll. Or what's the it, other it, one? I don't High even know. Is it, the it, new one? It's like if 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 Star Wars was was being reenacted at a renaissance fair yeah that literally what it sounds like <laughs> all right um I'm all, all right in. so i'm gonna i i think my whack is is a little bit of a hot take so i'm gonna start <clears throat> with on track uh and i i just watched the haunting hill house for the first time so really. good. um and that was a spectacle honestly it didn't it didn't wrap up like i thought it was going to it it was better I couldn't believe that 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 had had a happy, happy-ish, ending. sort of, happy-ish. 
there there I mean spoiler alert but there is a uh, there's a theory that that's that's like not real <laughs> don't I think Flanagan leaves don't it up to that interpretation to don't do that but to me believe what you I want. don't need it's that okay. I don't need it's I, happy yeah don't now it's in my head that never even passed my head I said look at this some of these guys get to go on and live happy lives and now I'm gonna be up till 2 a.m thinking about this thank you experiencing you watching that secondhand was great well you know it's funny because you when you told me that there are ghosts hidden um in the background of every episode it turned into my husband's name is jeremy it turned into jeremy's goal to find them all and the amount of times i had to have watched this get rewound so I could see the creepy face in the background <laughs> gave me mm-hmm. nightmares. He I've, was like, wait, it was right there. And I was like, I don't care. And he's like, no, you have to see it. <laughs> I eventually stopped looking for them because it was distracting from the show. You know what I mean? Like I was like so fucking hyper-focused on finding them that like I wasn't paying attention to what main characters were saying in front of me. So I, I just thought I'm going to stop looking and then I'll look up all the scary ghosts later. I'll, I'll look it up later and read about it. I, I did cheat and look up um, jump scares because I had to be prepared. Oh, so you knew about the one. Yeah. I wanted to I be lied surprised. To you. <laughs> <laughs> I acted surprised when I told you about it. It still got me. I, I didn't look up like video. So I just looked up the episodes. I mean, I'm watching this in the middle of the night, man. I, I, I got to be safe here. Um, no, what was the episode, um, that I was so, so just fascinated with? Um, I think it was six and it's the one where it's like five one shot scenes. The fu- uh, the funeral. Yeah. Yeah. With yeah the yeah. past and the present. Yeah. I was just was bored by that in general. I love one, one, one shot things like 1917. So that was just great. Um, I've been meaning to rewatch it because uh, some of his other shows my wife watched with me, um, even though she's not a big horror person, uh, but she's she heard me reacting to some of the scares in, <laughs> in that show. So she hasn't mm. wanted to watch it yet. But I'm like, we need to rewatch this because I think you're going to be into it. I loved Midnight. Midnight Mass was my first one. Yeah, it's from so good. him. And I loved that because I love anything with like a religious undertone like that. Um, so yeah, that was my first, so I don't know why it took me so long to watch Hill House, but, but we're going to do Bly Manor next. And I, I've heard everyone has mixed reactions about Bly Manor. It's good, but it's not as good. It's probably, it's probably my least favorite of them. Someone told me they couldn't even finish it. See, I, I liked it more, I think, than a lot of people did. I think that depending on what you're looking for, it's as good, I think, for me, it wasn't as good in the sense that I think Haunting of Hill House is like actually scary. Yeah. Uh, and has actual like moments of real tension that like, which is not common that I feel that way. A lot of things that I think are great, I don't find tense at all. I just enjoy them. Uh, whereas Bly was like, not, no moment of it is scary in my mind for me. Uh, my wife, who's super scared of everything, that she felt differently. But but for me, nothing made me scared. But I do think people are discounting some of the emotional beats in that show that actually work really well. I get that it's not as tense, 
And there are some of the subplots in Bly, I think are a little distracting or don't work out as well. But I also think there are some really strong emotional beats on the show. So while I didn't like it as much, I didn't find it like bad at all. I still mm-hmm. really liked it. I, liked I think the I just emotional missed... of Hill House. So that's good. I think I just liked the, uh, the family aspect of Hill House, Hill House more. And sure, I missed yeah. that just because it was so similar in that they were both, you know, set with a creepy house. Um, so I was almost looking for that. And I think that's why with Midnight Mass, it was just completely different. So I had no preconceived notions for that, what I was going to get out of it. That was sort of the strength of Midnight Mass, right? That it was like, it's entirely a new thing. Whereas mm-hmm. like with Bly, because it's the same person and it's such a similar setting and themes, you're inevitably going to compare them. You can't help but mm-hmm. compare them. All right. All right. So <laughs> I guess it's time to admit um, that I'm just not, I'm, I don't know how to say this. I'm not as obsessed with The Last of Us series as everyone else is. Blasphemer, burner at the stake. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it feels so like wait, sometimes. Not obsessed is, so by not obsessed, do you mean you just kind of like it? Or I kind of like it. I, like, I watch the episodes. Show. I, I can't say I say fuck. There's some moments that I'm like, fuck this show. But <laughs> this as has been a, whole, a stressful month for you. <laughs> it's been a very stressful. Actually, it's it's been like a stressful like six weeks since I started reading the interviews of the changes that they were making to the show, which I was surprised that they released before they came out because none of them actually ended up being as horrifying as I thought that they would be when the series came out, at least. But yeah, I mean, I watched the episodes once and and I never want to watch it again, nor do I really look forward to the next one. I just watch it out of obligation. So wait, so the Nick Offerman episode didn't do anything for you? No, the Nick Offerman episode is the only one that did it for me. That was fantastic. I mean, I'm enjoying the show, but that episode... So so the Nick Offerman episode... The Nick Offerman episode is is perfect. And the Despite dude from the fact, uh, White Lotus. <laughs> White Lotus, Murray. Yeah, I mean, the fact that that is completely different from the game, like nothing is, is from the game in that episode. I didn't, that was the one time I didn't care because that episode was so fantastic that I was like, all is forgiven. Well, but, apparently there's a longer cut, which like, I, I yeah, would like a the, director's the, theatrical cut. release of that. Yeah, Jesus. let's I would, go. I would watch Separate. the whole thing. I would, watch, I would watch it too. Come I would on. watch it too. I'll buy tickets. I would watch that in. The, I would watch the Harvey. But but no, you know, I just I I am extremely emotionally attached to this game. As like I was telling you guys earlier, I'm sitting here and I have like six Joels staring at me currently. <laughs> um, those figures and pops and all these things. So I and I think. I think that you're getting a watered down version of the story in the series. And I know they had to make changes for the medium, but I just, I think you're losing, I think, I think it's losing a lot. That's interesting. I have not heard that yet, but I do like hearing, I have this thing where I am attracted to some extent to every sort of like counter take even if I end up disagreeing with it, I still like that someone's out here being, in fact, you'll remember Josh, we even had a column for a while called, um, I'm glad you like that out of step. Oh, right. 
No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm I'm glad you like it is a column where me and my friend Brian pretend to get mad at each other's opinion. And so every article starts with us patting each other on the back for being so willing to like like host the other person's like take. And then by the end, we're like fake yelling and insulting each other like every time. And uh, that that was just a, for giggles. No, this column was called Out of Step. And it was only for people who had takes on media that were like outside of the reigning sort of uh, uh, zeitgeist on the thing, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, but we only had two entries, uh, <laughs> though one of which was was very fun for me. But, but uh, the... You know, I I always wanted people to feel free to do that, but I think it's 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 got to be something where you have a real investment in it. Sometimes I realize people do that just to be obnoxious, and that's mm-hmm. that's not as fun. It's different when you care, like when you care about it, and you're like, everyone says A, but I'm feeling B. I really yeah. like that. That's like I think that can be really fun, even if in this case I'm like, yeah, I don't know, I like it, but I never played <laughs> the game, so I have no, I don't have any perspective from that viewpoint. Is it the kind of thing where all non-gamers are like obsessed with it and people who play the game are like, yo, fuck this show? Um, so in my experience, a lot of my friends have played the game and we're all kind of at the consensus that the games are substantially better, but we also recognize that we're watching a well-crafted television show. Um, so we're kind of, we're, we're all kind of looking at it like, yeah, we don't like this, some of the direction that they're taking. We don't like some of the characterizations. We don't like some of the changes. But we absolutely recognize that this is still a good TV show. So we kind of are treating them as two separate entities at this point, if that makes sense. I think that's the safest way to deal with any type of like property that's spawned from like yeah. the nerd ephemera of things, right? Like, Look at Marvel movies. Look at like stuff that's like so heralded yeah. by like very acute nerds. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And then like how upset they are. And it's like, yo, dog, you could also just enjoy yourself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. This I is mean- a weird one because like they are ripping dialogue and scenes and interactions straight from the game, like line for line. And that and it's like so it's like a weird balance. Like like I love those moments, but then they follow it up with something. And I'm like, why why are you what um so it's like it's so so close in some areas and so so far in others i yeah uh, i'm i'm i think i'm a little less patient with that sort of thing than you are josh because uh i think like when you when you brought up the example of the marvel movies i'm like yeah kind of only i also think the new thing is not that great so like i i need to think I'm okay with letting go of the old thing if I think the new thing is pretty cool, but sometimes I think the new thing is not cool, and then it's hard not to like cling on to the old thing and be like, if it was more mm-hmm. like this, it'd be better. Which isn't necessarily true, right? Like I, uh, I think there are plenty of examples where just making it more like the book or more like the game or more like the whatever it is that's being adapted doesn't mean it's going to be good, actually. So, right. like, a, you know, it's a great example of that. Josh is. Um, the Shining miniseries. Oof. Did you guys ever watch the Shining miniseries on TV? No. Well, yeah, you know, just a movie. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, so I guess I guess someone decided that since the movie is so different than the book, they should make a version for TV, which is already a bad idea. That is more faithful to the book, and it's just bad, right? It just it just doesn't work, and like it it it's it would be hard to say it's bad 
because it clings to the book, because I don't know that that's fair, but it is worth saying that simply clinging to the book doesn't make it better. And and that's sort of the line you walk, right? Like, you know, for me, I'm, I'm a, I'm kind of a, a, a historically more of a comic nerd though. By now the movies are pulling from stuff after when I was reading stuff religiously, you know? So like a lot of times I don't, I'm not the expert because things have changed so much since I read those comics. I don't really know what I'm talking about, but like um, previously they have drawn from things that I am familiar with and you have to take into account that it could go either way that like in some cases I think like, well, if they put this in there, it would be better. Other times it's like, I don't know. That comic's pretty crazy. I don't know that it would be better if they did that. You know, mm-hmm. like that that shit's kind of nuts. I don't know if that would work in a movie. <laughs> but I think we're about to find out, right? Because this Ant-Man movie's about to come out with a full-ass MODOK in it, with a fucking mm-hmm. realistic-looking MODOK in it, I guess, or something like that. So uh, I'm either going to think that's the coolest thing ever or the dumbest thing ever, and I'm kind mm-hmm. of stoked to find out which it is. <laughs> Could go either way. Could go either way. I mean, I've been saying for a while, those movies need to be more ridiculous. So, okay, let's do it and see if it works. <laughs> uh, okay, Katie, anything else for us? Um, no. Okay. Well, I, you know, we welcome your take and we're glad you had the bravery to share it with us. <laughs> oh, Lin- go Lin- against the grain. She needed yeah, to get it yeah. off her chest. Lin- I mean, Lin- I could rant for hours on this uh, topic. Sure. So, Lindsay, are there any beloved? All right, Lindsay, are there any beloved properties that you want to shit on? Or <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? I'm I'm kind of a this is kind of my my hibernation mode time. I feel like I haven't really done much lately. I mean, I do have sure, some yeah. little things to list off. Um, I, I guess more on on track, but yeah, I mean, because there's not like conventions and stuff going on right now, so I'm not doing much. But um, uh, all right. So for on track, well, this isn't a movie. You or say a show, The Last but... of Us. I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm enjoying it, but I haven't played the game. I am also um, enjoying it. <laughs> um, Same. I will say first, well, first front track, actually, before what I was going to say, um, a quick one, because Katie, this is for both of us, um, and because we're going to be talking about him. Pedro being on SNL. Amazing. Oh, what a hilarious. Joke. So great. I only saw the Mario thing, and that made me laugh really hard. That is the, that is the second episode of SNL I have ever watched. Two? Yeah. Really? What? what? Yeah, I have. What? I watched yeah. Oscars and I watched his. Yeah. Are y'all? Oh, wait. Let's back. Let's back this up. <laughs> are y'all just? Are Are y'all younger? What? Are y'all like like? Uh, no. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm thirty. I'm thirty three. Yeah. Me. Me and Josh are like mid forties. So like, <laughs> for us, for us, the the thing with SNL is even if I never watched it live on a Saturday night on a Saturday night, it was on reruns on comedy central constantly. So like mm-hmm. I've probably only watched real SNL, IE it's Saturday night and I'm watching it live. I've probably only done that like 20 times or so in my whole life, but the reruns on comedy central over and over and over again, <laughs> some of the ones I didn't even like, it was just on while I was doing other things, you know? Mm-hmm. So like there are jokes I know from years of SNL where I think, that's a terrible joke, but I know it because I saw it on a rerun like multiple times. Josh, did you watch it live on Saturdays yeah, very often? Because I had no friends, Liam. So like, oh yeah. sure, yeah, yeah. But yeah. that—that's a thing, though, right? Like, you could always adjudicate a person's like uh, where they are in life by who their favorite cast of SNL was. It's kind of like knowing what a like you know you could tell a lot about a person by what their favorite jawbreaker record is. 
same thing with like you could tell like where they are in their life by who their favorite cast of <laughs> SNL is. Typically, it's the ones that were there when you were in high school. You know what I mean? But then people that grow like, oh, wow, this person's adventurous. You know what I mean? It's like that's after you're in high school. You like that, huh? Cool. But like for me, like my class is like the Michael Myers, Wayne's World, like you know, like sure, that yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. like that stuff will always be cherished to me because that was like my friends on Saturday night. <laughs> if if I was if I was up on a Saturday night, I was probably watching horror movies on basic cable. So I I missed a lot of actual SNL. But okay, so this is your second episode of SNL, <laughs> Lindsay. How do you do? You watch SNL more often, or is this like your second? No, no, that's that's the thing. That was that was my second one. I don't know. Oh, uh, Lindsay I, was your second. Katie, this was your first or your second? That was my second, second as well. Second too. Wow, crazy! Yeah. No, yeah. just doing other things. So, did you do? But <laughs> where do you think it's good? Like my my thought is because you haven't seen any others that you might think it's better than we do. <sighs> See, I think well, that's like. I say I have watched a lot of. The skits later on. Later like on, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, just selective ones, and you know what is is one thing? I think I don't know if this is if is like a current thing with them. Some of those sketches drag. So long. I agree. I agree. So yeah. long. I was texting her during Pedro's, and I was like, I forgot how long some of these sketches go. I don't even know what's happening anymore. I mean, I think every season has different issues as well as different strengths. And while I had, there are plenty of years I didn't really watch, like when Tina Fey was on, I wasn't a regular watcher, though occasional, I would watch occasional things here and there. Um, They all have their strengths and weaknesses. And this current sort of crop of people, I just think they're too long. I think every single one that should have been edited before they started filming. Like, it just feels Mm -hmm. like okay, are we still doing this? Like, what's happening right now? Mm-hmm. And I, 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 it feels like they're trying to develop a longer joke, but they never seem to get there. It just never seems to, like, Yeah, arrive. never lands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I... loved him on it, so... Yeah. I love that. I love that. Pedro, so... Um, so, yeah, so that was great. Um, and then, um, pivoting to books, uh, I recently read a book that I got an early copy of to review for Nerds and Beyond, um, which was exciting, so I wanted to read it anyway. Um, but The Winter Soldier Cold Front, um, Ooh, which is uh... a novelization uh, about The Winter Soldier, Bucky Barnes. He's my favorite Marvel character, so I went into it with a bit of trepidation because I wasn't really sure what to expect. Sure, yeah. Uh, you know, kind of like I didn't really know what the author's plans were for it. Um, it was actually great because the author based it off of Bucky from the comics, um, not the MCU, because he has mm-hmm. a completely different history. Um, but it jumps back and forth between when he is Bucky Barnes in the 40s and when he is the Winter Soldier in the 50s. And it was great. It was well written, heartbreaking, um, very unapologetically just sad <laughs> by the ending, because uh, he doesn't have a very happy story until later um but yeah that was great and uh for my last on track i am not sure if anyone here watches this show <laughs> uh and this is usually outside of my she wheelhouse knows. you know what i'm gonna I talk know. about already don't I you already know i already yeah. know um I, know. I recently started watching 1923 uh with helen Mirren and harrison ford um oh this is the spinoff from uh, uh, yellowstone 
Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. I actually I recently got into Yellowstone um, around Christmas, uh, just out of boredom, and shockingly loved it. I was not expecting to. <laughs> now, do you, um, do the you, best ones though, right? Do you love it. the newer seasons? I hear there's a big difference between early seasons and and, um, and stuff. I think that the early seasons were better, but there are still really strong episodes in okay. later okay. seasons as well. Like season four in particular has um, really strong storylines. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I ended up loving the show way more than I thought that I would. Uh, very sad news that I don't know what the future of it is as of this week. Um, I think it's up in the air. Some issues with Kevin Costner not wanting to film for more than a week, apparently. <laughs> um, I, mean, I mean, I feel like the people I know who don't like the newer seasons or the newer episodes, they would also lay that at the feet of Mr. Co- Costner. They feel mm-hmm. like he's had an influence on the direction of the show. Mm-hmm. Um. So 1923 is basically a, a prequel for it, which set in the year 1923. Um, it's only five episodes in, um, but it's great. Um, I'm enjoying it. I've been covering it for Earth and Beyond. And do you yeah. think do you think you like it more than the original series or you don't know yet? Um, I don't like it more only because I think that I prefer modern shows a little bit more. OK, um, OK. But I mean, I'm still I just it. It's just very well produced. Uh, the filming, the landscape and everything, uh, the acting is great. I'm enjoying the cast a lot. But I mean, who knows? It just got renewed for a second season. So <laughs> maybe I'll end up liking it more in the future. Um, I have a couple so of do friends. you have like an aversion to like just anachronism, like TV shows, like old timey period piece kind of thing? Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah well, that's the thing. I mean, even in general, just with like the whole cowboy and Western shows, that mm. isn't usually my thing. And I just started Yellowstone because I was like, all right, I'm tired of hearing everyone say that this is apparently the best show ever. What's so great about it? And I really ended up enjoying the genre of it. Um, But yeah, I think for 1923, I don't really watch a lot of things that are kind of set in that older time period, necessarily. Interesting. But I'm enjoying it. So I definitely I hate period pieces. (laughs) Do you really? Boy, yeah. The only one that I enjoyed is Crimson Peak. That's it. Done. Well, wait, wait, you, yeah. you, you don't, you don't mean movies too. You, you don't like period. Dude, piece you do period pieces to me, and I'm out. You got to be kidding me. So wait, have we never covered westerns on this show? I mean, there's certain westerns that I like, but I, I mean, they were filmed of the time. But when it's like, ah, uh, 1906 on a grim Wednesday afternoon, it's like, <laughs> no, thank you. We're definitely doing an episode on. I'm adding that to the list. I we're mean, doing I like a, westerns. I love periods. See, I, I like non. I love non-western period pieces like so you like, stuff like, like down abbey oh, right word. right up my alley nah, <laughs> the no alienist you. yes you know i tried the alienist and i couldn't get into it but i did really? for i did for a while watch down Abbey because i had a roommate and then it kind of who was into it and i, I kind of got sucked in as well but <laughs> after a while it just felt like down abbey was starting to like spin its wheels a little bit so like that's fair now that the movies have been coming out i'm like i can't care about a movie i just can't <laughs> it's too much for this is the same like i i going back before we started recording katie you were talking about hyper fixating and uh mm-hmm. and how sometimes you just hyper fixate and it's hard to bring other things in i yeah. have done that with a few really terrible tv shows so like <laughs> Oh, actually, I should say that with shows that I probably wouldn't otherwise like that some people love, but now in retrospect, I think are bad. So like a good example was House. I was really obsessed with House in, in grad oh, me school. Too. 
and I just had to like watch it in grad school. And the the weirdest part about watching House in grad school was I started watching it because the quote unquote hospital where he supposedly works is actually the student center at Princeton University. And I just found that to be such a stupid thing that that's why I started watching it. I was like, oh, look, it's the student center like every time. And uh, and then I got sucked in and I watched like I don't think every season, but a lot. I watched a lot of House or like uh, Josh will remember for a while I was obsessed with Castle. Just because, like, I wanted more Nathan Fillion in my life, but like, I would complain about it while I was watching it. Like, oh, the show's so stupid. <laughs> but then I would still watch it, you know. Uh, and now, like, now that I'm uh, a parent and I have three podcasts, I don't have shows like that anymore because I just don't have fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> but like, when I did have more time, especially like when I was single and I was not working as much as I would like, but I, you know, I needed to decompress from where I was working. Shows like that were really helpful for me and I really, whatever. And Downton Abbey, like no offense to people who love it. That's what that was for me. I was just like, <laughs> I need something, put this shit. I need the British. I need the British people to be scandalized by really unscandalous things. Like that's what I need. I mean, one of my favorite Downton Abbey moments is when it finally gets back to the Lord Grantham, that one of the people, one of the uh, uh, house, uh, I don't know what their term is. But one of the servants basically is gay. And he goes, yeah, I know a lot of guys who like to fool around with other guys in school. What's what's the big deal? Because it's like, this is the most, nothing has mattered more to the entire staff who know this secret than keeping the secret from Lord Grantham. And he could not give less of a fuck <laughs> because rich people buggered each other all the time. What's the big deal? And like, I thought that was one of the best parts of the show. I was like, yeah, that's right. He's just kind of like, oh, really? Okay, cool. Whatever. Like, couldn't possibly care. But it's also a reminder that like, some of the gay panic stuff that we grew up with me and Josh, even more than y'all, cause we're a little bit older was an invention of certain time periods that there were times where people were more upset about that. And then times where they were less upset about that. And the show is set during a time when people were kind of like, yeah, I guess it's a thing. I don't know, whatever. Like it, it, it wasn't, and it, it, there was more of a crackdown later on in the history on the on folks who who weren't heterosexual. So, anyways, uh, yeah, I don't, I forget how we got on Dan and Abby, but oh, right, because right, because ni in 1923, right, is yep. the, is the yeah. show. I I have a number of friends who are fans of of the other show, Yellow Yellowstone, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, who like 1923 better, but it's only what five episodes in, so it might mm -hmm. be a little soon to make that determination. Josh, we're definitely gonna do. I mean, okay. <laughs> To the extent where period pieces mean some sort of like snooty high art sort of thing, I can kind of see where you're coming from. Although I will say that um, Gosford Park is an exception to that rule. That's like, that's a fucking amazing movie, you know? So like th there are exceptions to the rule, but if you're going to apply that to Westerns, then we're going to have a real problem. Cause like, well, no, I mean, see, it's different. It's different, Liam. Like, like the great silence. Come on. That's like one of the greatest movies ever made period. Like there's no way around, that, you know? Yes, Liam. <laughs> have you have you seen it? We need to do an episode on the Great Silence. The Great Silence. I have the T-shirt because I bought it from RoughCutFanClub.com. <laughs> plug. <laughs> Way to plug. Way to plug. Okay, sorry, 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 Lindsay. We're interrupting your time. I apologize. <laughs> um. Well, that was my last on track. My whack. Which means you have to insult something now, which is so. Yeah. Cool, but that's the thing is that I haven't even had the time lately to watch anything bad. So. I'm just going to complain about the fact that I had to go to the dentist this week. Oh, it yeah, sucks. that sucks. Yeah, that Listen, sucks. I, I don't know what it is because I never cared when I was younger. But every time now, like for the past few years, I just feel shamed 
every time I go there, even though there's really nothing wrong with my mouth. Yo, dog, wait till your forties. So, just so ju- <laughs> so judged. It gets so much well, worse. Because it's not your parents' problem anymore. <laughs> Before it was my mom does not tell me to brush my teeth. And now yeah. it's all on you. Yeah, now I just have to be like, yeah, okay. No, I mean I forgot to floss yesterday. You just Sorry. Go and apologize and be like, my bad, dog. My no, bad, bro. I, Sorry. I I hear what you're saying because I didn't have any cavities until my thirties. So like my whole life, like I brushed my teeth so like girls would want to kiss me like that's why i did it the idea that there were negative consequences beyond that had never occurred to me because i never had tooth issues of any kind my whole life it was fine and then i was 31 and i went to the dentist for the first time in two years and the dentist is like you have four cavities and i was like say what now he's like you have four cavities i'm like there's no fucking way i've never had any cat he's like i'm not kidding and he showed me the x-rays and I, it was just like, we got to do some stuff. So like he did work in my mouth, which I'd never had happen before. And it's horrifying. And then I had to ride my bike home because I didn't know oh, no. I was going to be having <laughs> dental work that day. So I was riding my bike home with half my face numb. And there was a line of spit just coming out of my mouth <laughs> as I was riding down the streets of Philadelphia. And it was so disgusting. And I was so embarrassed. But it's just what it was, you know. <laughs> There's weirder things in the streets of Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, that's probably true, but anyways. All right, Josh, your turn. Let's do it. Whack it on track. So, on track. Um, We finally got our test press for the new Cross Keys record. Awesome. So that there's going to be a listening party this week for us, and we're going to listen to it and then be like, approve or deny. And um, I don't know if you've ever had the moment of catharsis of like holding a thing that like you poured all of your heart and blood and sweat into and tears, you know what I mean? But uh, I feel like we're coming to the end of, like, the trials, and now it's going to be, like, real. You know what I'm saying? So that's got me, got my heart singing, if you will. And um, so that was pretty on track. Melania and I finally saw Megan. Hi, oh, Kim. I yes, enjoyed yes, it. Yes. Uh, I thought it was really fun. I don't understand why people hated on it. <laughs> it's like, wait, you guys, what? Like, it's a ridiculous movie, and I can understand why people who, like, saw it thought it was funny at parts, because I did, too. But um. I enjoyed it overall. I mean, it's not the best sci-fi movie, but you know, you got give me dancing robots. I'm in. I think I think I wanted it to be more campy than it was, but I still had fun with it. Yeah. Did did you guys see it? No. I've not seen that. No. Sorry. What movie again? Megan. Oh god. Not yet. But 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 I what? (laughs) I know nothing about this movie. I did not watch the trailer. I saw the like memes. I, there, I there is so much everywhere. Everyone talking about this movie. It, well, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm That's why I watched it. You know, <laughs> Liam saw it and was like, "Oh, I loved it." I'm like, "Oh, okay." Well, I was not it. like, "Oh, I loved it." I said, "No, you're like, ah, I didn't hate it as much as everybody else who saw it with me did." So that's true. You know, the people that's I enough went, for me to be like, let me check this thing. The, out. I went with a group of people, and friend of the show Rob Scavarla was the only other person that was like, "That's a good bad movie." What are you talking about? And everyone else was like. <laughs> No, that's a bad, bad movie. And we just could not agree. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I had fun with it. I just wish I had more fun with it. And I think I was set up, unlike y'all, I've heard about it a lot, especially because this is something, Lindsay and Katie, you guys wouldn't know about me. I listened to a chunk, not a chunk, but a few like pop culture podcasts (laughs) because I like the hosts, but I am not actually that invested in pop culture. Not as much as I should be to listen to these shows. So I listened to a few of them where people were kind of like 
really hyping up Megan and really like really stoked on it. And that's why I kind of went in with a little too high of expectations. But that being said, I did like it. I did think it was fun. I just wanted it to be even more silly. There's a certain, to, mm. since y'all haven't seen it yet, there's a certain goofiness to the Megan character herself. Mm-hmm. And the one of the reasons people are talking about it so much is that the footage of her dancing in the trailer has become a thing on TikTok. And a lot of people have been like recreating her weird dance and stuff. <laughs> and uh, to be fair, the soundtrack is like, the soundtrack has a lot of club bangers that are more interesting ambient textures, which is right up my alley. So I really enjoyed the sound design for the music. True. I just mean the needle drops are the, are the sort of club bangers that would play more often at like, uh, more queer dance establishments. So I think Mm -hmm. that with the high camp of the movie, a lot of the podcasts I listen to are like, Oh, this this movie is very queer because it's so campy. Even though there's not a single gay character in the movie, they're mm-hmm. just they're just saying it's it's the it's the height of camp. It's like a John Waters movie, and I think that's <laughs> sold it too hard for me. Because if you're gonna tell me there's a movie with a killer robot that's so arch that it's like Mommy Dearest or Valley of the Dolls, I'm gonna be like, fuck yes, I need that right now. <laughs> and then and then I went, and it's fun, but it's not. I think it also takes itself a little more seriously than it should maybe, but I don't mm. know. That's just my take. I don't know. Anyway. I did well, see that. I did see it was adopted by the queer community and that did pique my interest. I mean, a lot of people I know are really into it. They want to dress up like Megan. They're doing the fucking dance on their ticker talkers. You know, it is what it is. <laughs> so, yeah. So I saw that. enjoyed it. Um, other things that are on track. I got tickets to go see High Viz in Philly, and they were supposed to be playing at the Photo Club, but sure. now the show has been moved to the church, and Sunstroke are opening, who are my boys, who, uh, if you listen to Lunch with Liam, I saw them this past Saturday, because they were awesome, they played Summer's Bowl, but um, they're also playing with Endit from Baltimore, who I love yeah. currently, like one of my new favorite bands, so I'm pretty pumped to see High Viz at the church with Sunstroke and Endit, and that's going to be pretty dope. Um, I also got, Melani and I got tickets to go see a play. Uh, by Lorraine Hansberry. It's called The Sign in Sidney Bernstein's Window. We are going to see be... that. We're Yay. seeing it. Yeah. You're going to see it. Yeah, we're, I don't know what day we got the ticket for, but I know we're going to Brooklyn to see it. And it's uh, Oscar Isaac and yeah. Uh, yeah. Rachel Brosnahan. We're going so, what, next yeah, weekend? No. We're going the 18th. 10 days. So yeah, fun. Can't uh, wait. I'm so pumped. I mean, like, I really love Raising the Sun, and I, I'm pretty excited to see this, this play and see Oscar Isaac, really, because, you know, Sounds dope. We yeah, met dope. him. Yeah, awesome. I love that. He seems that he seems like the best, to be honest. He is. He was actually very, very, very nice man. That's yeah. awesome. They Joe, say not to meet your heroes, but that is a lie when it comes to him. I get it. I mean, I've met a couple <laughs> heroes, and they've been okay. Some have been great. Some have been terrible. But you know, pretty pumped for the play. It's a yeah. good time. And me and Melani just love seeing plays in New York anyway. So like Me you too. know that that shit's super fun and like I don't know we missed Death of a Salesman that we were trying to see, but uh, we got tickets for this, so I'm pretty pumped on that. Cool. And, um, other than that, we got I got shows of girl biscuits in two weeks, so that's happening. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> it's gonna be fucking weird, <laughs> but you know, let's do this. Fuck it. I mean, so yeah. And uh, as far as whack goes, uh, nothing because I'm posy dude. You know what I'm Cool. All right. Well, so we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk about first uh, the 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 uh, Star Wars. 
I guess it was the first like out of the Skywalker storyline mm-hmm. movie, right? Rogue One mm-hmm. um, yep. sort of yeah. started that as a phenomena. And then we're going to talk about the 2018 more indie sci-fi film uh, Prospect. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. <laughs> two sci-fi movies talking about rogue one and prospect okay let's 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 put this out straightforward do y'all consider star wars sci-fi no no it's yeah it's more fantasy 
Yeah. 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 Is fact, it because the force? Is that what makes it fantasy that there's a magic element of faith? Every sci-fi movie I watch seems to have more of a tension than the Star Wars movies sure. make. You know, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I feel like Star Wars is is space drama. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So, but in sci- the pantheon sci-fi. of sci-fi things, and where does Star Wars sit for you? I, I believe you guys said you were both like big fans, right? Like super fans. No. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's yeah. yeah. Star. If I had to pick one fandom, I guess to say, like Star Wars is my yep. favorite. Yep. Favorite, mm-hmm. favorite uh-huh. thing. So. Okay, Josh, that was true for you at one time. Do you still think of yourself as like a giant Star Wars fan? No, because I've been immersed in a lot of nerd culture concerning Star Wars in particular. And sure. I'm not like them. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's cool. I'm not mad about it. But um, just when people start saying stuff like, well, what they should have done was, and I'm just like, out. 100% out. Can't be a part of that, that crowd. Not a thing. Mm-hmm. And, and that feels like where the Star Wars thing has gone for me. Oh, like people feeling like they want to rewrite different stuff. Yeah, and stuff. just feeling like, like, I don't know. Like, you know how certain things you just can't get into because the fandom is so deplorable? I can't get into fandoms that are like, well, this is our thing and it's not your thing anymore. So this is why we're upset because, you know, Luke didn't do this and, you know, so on and so forth. I don't like engaging with the Star Wars fandom. I like enjoying it with my my friends and independently. It's It's a thing. Like that I I can get behind. You know what I mean? But like. I definitely have tons of friends that are always in my ear and talking about like, well, what they could have did was I'm like, dog, make your own fucking movie. then. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what are you going to mm-hmm. be upset? Cause a guy did a thing and you didn't like that thing. Then make the fucking thing that you like. Stop talking to me about it. It's, it's not spe- like I'm the like mogul sh- of a movie podcast or anything. Star Wars is so vast. You could just ignore parts of it too. Right. There's yeah. so many things going on. You can choose like, even yeah. while, these most recent uh these most recent trilogy of movies were coming out you still had like the cartoon shows and you knew that mm-hmm. like more movies and other tv shows were coming out like i know people who got into star wars because of the clone wars cartoon that that mm-hmm. was their first yeah. star wars you know mm-hmm. uh yeah. i i think like the problem for me is i grew i did grow up with the movies like i yeah uh right around the time that um right before i think return of the jedi was coming out they re-released uh empire strikes back into theaters and like as like just a like a little bambino my my mom brought me to this re-release of empire strikes back and i couldn't remember a second of it like i just nothing stuck with me other than the red i forget what their turn what their name is but the the red guards that are with the emperor that image was burned into my brain so i couldn't remember anything else about the fucking movie and then you know once once return of the jedi came out those toys are really popular so all these friends of my mom kept buying me the toys and the toys would come in these little booklets and stuff and for years that was my star wars was the toys and the booklets and like uh uh you know eventually once we got a vcr someone got us the star wars movies on vcr right the original <laughs> ones with the before they were altered digitally and stuff yeah uh, but the even better th- ones yeah but even then like i didn't watch them religiously the way a lot of people mm. i knew did you know but on the other hand if you had asked me like well of that kind of movie what's your favorite one it's like well star wars of course like it just was yeah. like it was important to me but like when I got to high school, I started meeting people who had like Jedi tattoos and shit. 
And I was like, oh, okay. And I, I, I read some of the comics, you know, like the the some of the Dark Empire comics mm-hmm. I read a little bit, but like the extended books, I didn't read all them books, you know, yeah. like there was there was just a lot of media and culture mm-hmm. around it, even before the prequels even came out, that yeah. like was very much around me, but I didn't fully engage. And so like I never thought of myself as a deep Star Wars fan. However, when the prequels came out, there started to be the pop culture. Whenever anything in nerddom comes out into the mainstream, there's always like a backlash. So I started interacting with people who didn't have any experience with Star Wars. I knew a fuck ton more than they did, right? <laughs> like I knew the names of like the characters, you know, and I knew the names of some of the creatures and I knew what the vehicles were called. That made me like a super nerd in their brains. But like, I also knew people who went to see the first prequel. Well, I forget what it was called now Phantom Menace. Every day for a month. Like, oh like how many times did Richie Rojas <laughs> see that in the theater, Josh? A bunch, yeah. No, I did the same thing, too, though, but only because my roommate at the time was a manager at a movie theater, and I was just like, well, sure. yeah, yeah, I yeah. have no food or money, so <laughs> I'm just going to go to the movies and watch Phantom Menace until I like it. Katie and Lindsay, though, how did you guys get into Star yeah, Wars being, question. like, your Thank thing, you know? Um, like, what I was watched, the root? I watched the originals as a kid um sure it was in the 90s um i was about eight and my parents rented them from blockbuster and i watched all three of them uh geez in like two days or something it was i was hooked immediately i was the kid jumping off of my couch with a you know paper towel tube as a lightsaber um and i remember you know i I rewatched those as many times as I could squeeze in before our rental period was mm-hmm. up. And then the the prequels came out not too long after I watched the original um, trilogy. So that those ones, I guess, would be considered kind of, quote unquote, my Star Wars, because those were the ones that were coming out when I was growing up. But I I still consider the original trilogy because those were still the ones that I saw first. Interesting. Um, for me, it's interesting uh, just because, like, my parents really weren't into any of that. Um, so like I re- like I remember seeing the prequels when I was younger. Um, not necessarily. I remember watching Phantom Menace with my mom, but really, it wasn't even necessarily something that she was into. Um, so I kind of just. I don't know, discovered it as a teen um, after seeing the prequels, got a little bit more into it. Uh, The originals are still always going to be my favorite. Um, But then it was funny when I started dating my now uh, fiance over 10 years ago, his dad is like the biggest Star Wars nerd I've ever met. I mean, they're they're in his parents entire basement is full of like the most insane, impressive star wars collection it's amazing um so you know when i started dating him i was like oh like this is so cool like you have a dad who's a huge nerd it's amazing um and like you know he's like done like the five of first um where you know like they kind of they dress up and everything and do comic-con mm-hmm. and the events um and that for me kind of just like accelerated i guess loving star wars more like just like being able to see that mean like oh okay um but yeah that's awesome. You know, me and my wife have Star Wars themed wedding rings. That's amazing. 
Hers says, I love yeah. you. And mine says, I know. I know. It's dope because that's how we do. <laughs> do you guys have Star Wars tattoos? I have one. Yes. Um, we have a matching we, we Star actually Wars have, tattoo. Yeah, we actually have matching Star Wars tattoos. That we, yeah. What is it? I that we bullied that. her. We bullied her husband into tattooing. So my favorite Star Wars character is uh, Mandalorian. Um, and hers is Poe Dameron. And so, and we also love Pokemon, and we have Eevee's our favorite Pokemon. So we I actually have that. Eevee. We have Eevee with, I have Eevee with the Mandalorian's helmet on, and she has Eevee with uh, Poe Dameron's helmet on. Mm -hmm. And then we have, we have a, a little phrase underneath that we're going to keep a secret, but um, <laughs> <laughs> half of it is in Mandoa, and the other half is in... Um, and Arbish. say it. Lindsay Arbish, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's awesome. That's super fun. Yep. Love it. I, love I also it. have I love a it. I also have a portrait of Harrison Ford as <sighs> Han Solo on my Incredible. thigh. Yeah. So good. Yep. So basically I'm the only medium Star Wars fan on the on the on the show right now. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's okay. So uh so then I I actually have a super hot take about this movie, but I'm going to save it for a little bit because I think it's going to be like a little bomb in the conversation. I'm pretty excited about <laughs> oh, it. Oh boy. Uh, but I do want to just like talk about how uh, Josh, you haven't seen Andor yet, right? I have not. No, uh, but y'all have, I'm, I'm assuming oh, yeah. you, you loved it. You thought it was great. Amazing. Phenomenal. Obsessed. I, I, we were just talking about how star Wars is I'm in with you, with y'all. It's more, like space fantasy for me uh, mm -hmm. uh, than it is uh, like sci-fi because I think of sci-fi as uh, a narrative in which a scientific innovation, real or imagined, changes the nature of human experience. And uh, mm -hmm. Star Wars is not really about the nature of our experience in a direct way. It's more about representing archetypes, which I think is what fantasy tends to be more often. Uh, mm -hmm. But here we have Andor. Uh, which has it has a little bit uh, of it sort of in the background, but for the most part, Andor uh, doesn't have space wizards. There's no space wizards, <laughs> right? And it is actually very much like a political espionage drama, yeah. and uh, it's fucking brilliant. It's so goddamn amazing. Good. It's amazing. It really had but, me. And... Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say that's that's my favorite thing about Rogue One. Is yes, that yeah. I was gonna get there. I, I think... Yes, yes, yes. It 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 proved that Star Wars can and maybe someone would be mad at me for saying this be better when Jedi are not the focal point. Well, at least when the fucking Skywalker saga is not the focal point, because I think at this point, after six movies, we're all just ready to see something else, or at least most people I know are ready to see something else. But yeah, oh, yeah. I, I do think like Rogue One was the first thing where even with the possibility of, and I, excuse me for forgetting the character's name, but uh, the Donnie Yen character that he may or may not be force sensitive. That's still yeah. not the same as focusing on Jedi, even with no. the sudden appearance, no. not sudden, but the, the insertion of Darth Vader, Darth Vader. into yeah. the plot, which is vaguely related to my hot take. Uh, uh, even with his presence, the movie isn't about that. It's not about, uh, in fact, even when people bring up the force, which they do, 
it's about the way that normal people believe in the force. Like mm-hmm. the force functions in the more Jedi focused stories as an ability or a weapon or, you know what I mean? Like whatever. Mm-hmm. But for these folks, the force is just something that they say to each other to feel like there's sense to this horrible situation that they live in. Yeah, yeah. And it's not something that they're like utilizing, even though, you know, if, if I'm forced to say, I'm like, I don't know, Donnie Yen might have some powers. I don't know what the fuck is going on there. I've not, right. a lot of people are totally skeptical and I'm like, I don't know. He might, he might have something going on. I don't know what, what, what the deal is, but anyway, sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, I'm assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming everyone who listens is listening to this knows the movie, but just in case someone does it, rogue one, really functions as a prequel to a new hope in that it focuses on this sort of rebel uh, uh, group that slowly learns of uh, the empire's plan to build uh, the death star, the, 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 the first death star. And it's, and it really places that narrative within a politics and within a community of people who are like, maybe not inclined to immediately believe that their government would build a planet destroying super weapon. Like they don't Mm -hmm. disbelieve it, but it's not something that like everyone knows about, which is like helpful, right? It makes the death star more believable because if you're just watching a new hope with no context, you might be like, well, why wouldn't they just have blown that thing up before now? Right. It's like, okay, they really don't know for sure that this thing exists. And even if they do, they don't know what to do about it. And this movie really sets up that uh, thing while also giving us like a view into the, various aspects of the rebellion before the rebellion sort of even solidifies and sort of the danger therein, and even some of the internal politics of the empire in sort of a unique way and, and whatever, whatever. So uh, I want to start with y'all. I think it's pretty clear that you love rogue one, (laughs) but I'd like to give you each an opportunity to talk about like what it is you love about it and how you felt about it when you saw it. Because I think for a lot of us, it was a huge fucking surprise. I, I went in honestly skeptical and I ended up really, really enjoying it. So I don't know which one of you wants to start just sort of talking a little bit about what it is you love about the movie. I'll start. Um, so when Rogue One came out, I think I probably saw it in theaters four or five times. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I literally, I saw it the night of and then... It was fun uh, the next day. Like I said, my fiance's dad, um, you know, would be doing stuff with the 501st, uh, you know, dressing up. He has a uh, sand trooper, uh, a sand trooper costume. Um, And he was they actually got asked to do an event at the mall by us, uh, basically like to go troop there before the showing. And they were going to give them tickets. So I was like, okay, well, I'll dress up because I have a uh, Han Solo cosplay. Then my, uh, my fiance dressed up as a Thai pilot, so we kind of like were just taking pictures with people coming into the movie, um, and then got changed really quick. And like they gave us free tickets to like go in and watch it again. Real um, quick though, can you explain what the five hundred one is? Just a or five hundred first? What? A, um, I know what it is, but I don't know if our listeners would readily. Um, yeah. So basically, um, it's well. It's not just in Canada. So there's uh, different garrisons all over the place, um, not even just in North America. There's in different countries as well. Um, but it's the best way to describe it is a costuming or costuming organization um, where Star Wars fans get together um, and they will put together quote unquote cosplays. Um, but they do need their like certain rules for them and everything. So it's not like you're just showing up at Comic-Con dressed as a stormtrooper. Um, you have to meet certain expectations. Um, and then I know that for my fiance's dad's uh, 
the garrison that he was in, uh, the Canadian garrison, um, they would do a lot of, um, oh God, what is the word? Um, a lot of things for charity. Uh, so a lot of things raising money for events and stuff, but then they'd also go to comic cons. Um, so a lot of times, you know, anyone that's been to any big comic con, you'll probably see a 501st set up somewhere. Um, where you can get a picture on a speeder bike or on Darth Vader's throne. And they'll always have like a place for donations and stuff usually. Um, and those will go towards different charities and everything. They um, had like a, a pink R2-D2 at, at C2-E2 right before lockdown, I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, uh, there's a lot of really talented people um, in that organization. Um, you know, like the droid builders and stuff um, that will, you know, make very realistic version of droids and you can just like control them uh with uh, like a playstation yeah, controller yeah. they have it so set cool. up for that so cool uh, but there it's not just the five of first two there's a uh, different um there are a lot of different organizations too so there's ones that will be for the dark side there's ones that are for the light side um but yeah so, i only know that because cool. one of my tattooers was one of the 501 people also like or five mm-hmm. first and he had these things for stormtrooper costumes it was like i know dog it seems like a lot drawing my skin <laughs> But anyway, sorry. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, so uh, we did we did that. Excuse me. Um, and I saw the movie a few more times after that. And, you know, anytime if anyone that I knew wanted to go see it, I was like, I'll go see it with you again. <laughs> um, and it's funny because my memory of it, I immediately loved it. As soon as I walked out of the theater, I was like, that is that is up there with Empire Strikes Back for me. Um, you know, I'm completely obsessed. A lot of people, a lot that what I remember didn't like it at first. Um, there was a lot of people that they had a lot of issues with it, but I was just like immediately taken with the movie. And I think the biggest thing, which we were just touching on, is seeing more than just the Jedi and more than just the Force. Uh just seeing the expanded world building of the Star Wars universe and seeing how strong a story can be just using that world, but not necessarily depending on the characters that we've seen since the seventies. You know, we can have a different story and it can still be great. But it still uses like the imagery from the seventies. Right? Yeah. Like the two people in the bar. Like that's the I think that's kind of the majesty of this movie in that it reminded everybody of what they loved about Star Wars. And it wasn't just the- mm-hmm. No, it's the and it you know it just it didn't feel like at any point that it was trying too hard for me. I think that it just really, it hit all the right spots. Um, yeah. I love that. Katie, you already sort of said a little bit about why you love it, but is there anything else you want to highlight about things that really appeal to you about it? Um, well, I love Jen Erso as a character. Um, you know, I love, I hate the term, but the strong female character um and i just think she's she was just so great i mean she took charge and she's she's helped save the universe and i know we had princess leia you know in the originals and but i mean i think we kind of have to admit that that padme was kind of reduced in the prequels you know she she kind of started strong in episode one as as the queen and and then it was kind of reduced to Anakin's little undoing, essentially. Yeah. And so it was. It was nice to have to have a uh, a really great woman character 
come in and and save the world. And then, you know, she gives the plans to Princess Leia. So in the end, do we have two women to thank for this? Probably. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Josh, I think we both were pretty stoked on it when it came out. But how did you feel in this rewatch of Rogue One? It stands as my second favorite Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. I love What's that. your first? Empire. But this is the Rosencrantz is dead of the Star Wars <laughs> Empire, and I love it. Katie always has the bad takes. <laughs> Katie, Katie, what it's is not your a bad take? Katie, what is your favorite Star Wars movie? I like Return of the Jedi, um, mm. the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I'm and, not and mad about it. I get yeah, it. Empire is my Empire is my is after Rogue One. Oh, interesting! Wow, wow, wow. wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm definitely a. I got, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm a, uh, if we're going by movies, I'm an Empire first, then Rogue One, then Jedi, I think. I think that's, that's the most the common. Yep. Yeah. I think, I think that's the case. Now, if we throw in other properties like the TV shows and stuff, okay. I gotta, I gotta go, uh, Empire, then Andor, and then, uh, the thing that no one talks about that apparently only I loved. Uh, Star Wars Visions, all the anime companies doing their Visions Star Wars was stars. amazing. Yo, I got before season it, two was coming. Actually, I'm going to I'm going to back up and be honest. My favorite Star Wars thing is Visions and then it's Empire and then it's Andor. And That's honest, fair. honestly, Empire and Andor are kind of tied if I'm being okay. honest. Uh, but I need all to right. rewatch Andor to feel if I st- st- see if I still feel that way. That was just yeah. my response watching it. And the thing for me with Visions is uh, I like anime. But oftentimes anime has cultural references that don't resonate for me. Mm-hmm. So seeing the same creativity in a world where I get everything that's happening because it's mm. all just Star Wars. So I yeah. kind of get it. But uh, but it, none of it was interested in the main Skywalker legacy at all. But it had it had Jedi stuff. It had not Jedi stuff. It had I mean, just the story with the guy who's like uh is using the Sith lightsabers, but he's just using them to murder Sith. Yep. I was like, I don't know what that means, but I'm in. <laughs> it's 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 the most anime thing in the world to be like, yeah, yeah, we're just gonna take all the signifiers, but then like fuck with them and not explain <laughs> what it means at all. That for me was fucking perfect. I was like, yes, that's what I want. That's uh, there it is. I saw what I wanted to say. So like that's that's sort of my vibe. But again, I'm also a. Uh, a bit of a poser compared to y'all. So, you know, whatever. Yeah, same. I mean, I know I got a Star Wars tattoo and all that stuff, but I definitely only have seen the movies, number one. Uh, well, I've seen, like, you know, Mandalorian and all that stuff. But, like, yeah. um, I don't know. One my, one of my best buds, our friend Andrew, friend of the show, um, he is a self-avowed Trekkie, but he's read all the books of Star Wars Extended Universe and all that stuff. And he knows way more about it than I do. So, wow. I, don't know, I, I feel content. like a total novice a lot of in, this, uh, in this arena. No, but you know what? As long as you like it and you enjoy it, you're not a poser. That's right. You can no, engage right. with the that's media right. at whatever yeah. level you want. No, that's <laughs> that. That's, that's totally it should fair. be. That's, that's totally fair. And I hate, should be. Yeah, I hate that, I hate that mentality. Like, you don't know every facet of this. What are we at? decades long universe so you're not a fan that's ridiculous you can't know everything that's exhausting no. as long as you enjoy it cool yeah i got i gotta uh i gotta agree with everything y'all have said about this movie personally even though i i, I really have two hot takes right and they're not that hot but <laughs> personally i think a lot of people were very stoked on the inclusion of darth vader 
And uh, that doesn't mean anything to me. And so, like, as much as I think he's a cool character, I didn't need it for this movie. And when I saw it, I remember thinking, that's fine, but I don't need it. On this watch, the second part, which is the ending that includes Darth Vader, I was like, mm-hmm. the movie should be over. I don't, I've stopped giving a fuck. I don't care. <laughs> once, mm-hmm. once, once uh, Andor and, uh, oh, I already forgot. You already said it. Jin. 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 Once Jin and, 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 uh, and, uh, what, uh, Cassian. 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 Thank you. Once Jin and Cassian are dead, that's it. I'm done. I don't mm-hmm. need to know. Cause here's the thing. I already fucking know they got the plans out, guys. That's the beauty yeah. of a prequel. We yeah. don't need to see mm-hmm. it. We already fucking know. The yeah. part I don't know is what's going to happen to them. And that leads into my other hot take, which is narratively on a purely focused standpoint, it, it, it doesn't work for me if the movie doesn't do what it does, which is everybody dies. Like that's, <laughs> that makes sense. It totally makes sense. Oh yeah. But here's so, my, but here's yeah, my problem. I care more about those two characters than most other characters in Star Wars up to that point. In fact, I would argue that the Mandalorian is now the only other character that I care about as much because I've just gotten so tired of the other characters and I just don't give a fuck about them. So when it, this part where it ends, there's a part of me that's like, yes, as a lover of tragic things, this is what must happen. But as like a believer in fan stuff, I'm like, thank God they made that Andor show because this is not fucking enough. This is not enough of, for me of Cassie and Andor. And in fact, I like him more on Andor than I do in this fucking movie. So like, yeah. like yeah. Uh, honestly, like there's a part of me that's a little annoyed that I think this movie for me is one of the better examples of character development in the entire franchise. And like, I get a little mad at the end when everybody dies. Cause I'm yeah, like, we don't get any more time with them. Yeah, I, I want more. T- I want more time with these characters. I really wish again, I'm not saying the movie should have ended differently. I just think something should have been this charming previously in this fucking series of movies, because even in those first three movies that I love, I like, I think these characters are more engaging for me now at this age than those characters are for me now at this age. As a kid, I was pulled into Han Solo really hard. Like he just Mm -hmm. was the coolest person in the world for me. And that's, that's just the reality. Uh, But now I'm kind of like, yeah, it's cool. But like, you know, I didn't cry when when he gets killed in in the I guess that's a spoiler for people who haven't watched the newer mm-hmm. movies. But when he gets killed, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, I figure Harrison Ford didn't want to do any more of these. That makes sense. He's over yes. it. That's what I said. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. But like, no. I'm, I get that there are people who are so jaded that they didn't like this. But most humans, if you don't care when fucking Jin and Cassian are sitting there watching their doom come for them but knowing that they've won if that doesn't move you i don't know who i don't know what the deal i mean i I get it i get there are people who just hate the whole series that's different but i mean people who are star wars fans but think this movie doesn't work for them that's not i don't understand that that's a different kind Mm -mm. of fandom than where i'm at you know so yeah it's just it's 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 not a real critique of the movie because i think it had to end the way it did but i am left feeling like I mean, at the time, I was a little bit sad. Now watching it, I know I get more time with Cassian, but I would yeah. have liked more time with all the rest of these motherfuckers. Like, honestly, yeah. like, you know, even like the the goddamn pilot who like is only there to be the guy from the Empire who helps him out. Bodhi was amazing. I'd love more mm-hmm. time with that character. He's amazing. You know? I, it's just 
it's it's there's a part of me that is a little sad that I didn't feel this emotionally attached to previous movies, even mm. though I will say when it comes to the new movies, I'm not a full hater the way some people I know are. I don't hate those movies. But I enjoy them. They don't move me the way that Rogue One does. For the exactly, um, yeah, you know, this is a testament. This is a testament to the storytelling <clears throat> of specifically Rogue One. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, um, well, you know, fun fact with you talking about the ending. Um, so I, I don't know if you guys know this. Uh, the movie went through a lot of rewrites, like a uh, lot of changes. Okay. Um, so basically what happens is like the story was pitched years before, um, actually by, um, one of the guys that worked, um, on the star Wars games. Um, I believe it was Gary Whitta. Um, but the story went through a couple hands. Um, and what happened was it was kind of a hot mess. Um, Tony Gilroy came in, who was also the showrunner on Andor, uh, closer to the end. Um, I don't know exactly what time because a lot of this is still very under wraps, like the details of exactly what happened. There's still interviews coming out now with like tidbits of information on this. But long story short, he went in and fixed a lot, um, which I think makes sense, which is why Rogue One and Andor are both so great because he had his hands in both of them. Um, but anyway, Originally, um, the director, Gareth Edwards, has said that uh, Cassian and Jin weren't supposed to die. Um, there was supposed to be something where, you know, they would end up like getting out in an escape pod um, because they didn't think that Disney was going to let them kill everyone. But then Disney said, no, it's fine. Go ahead. And they let them um, have that ending instead, which wow. which huh. is very, very interesting. Yeah. Then I think there was also originally supposed to be more romance uh, with Jin and Cassian. No, um, terrible, terrible. Idea. Yeah, they, yeah, terrible they didn't idea. need it. I think that it the su- like the subtle relationship that they had was great. Um, I think that there actually was supposed to be less um, of the Force, but they ended up, um, you know, putting some of that in. And I don't think that Vader was in the original plans, but he was kind of more of a later thing uh, to get more people interested, so to speak. Um, you know, I think that the Vader stuff was great. Like that last scene is, I get chills every time I watch it. Um, but even if he wasn't in it, this would still be my second favorite Star Wars movie. Like me loving it doesn't have anything to do with Vader being in it. It's just a fun when I, addition to the movie. When I watched it for the first time, I remember thinking that that sunset scene on the beach was it. And then when it kept going, <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah, like it could have ended there. Yeah. It was great. The ending was great. I, it was really cool, but I would have also been just That's as satisfied. <laughs> I think I think what it comes down to is I should, you know, I want to harken back to something that Katie said, which is that stuff that has like hints of religious undertones is appealing. That happens for me, too. And so the fucking space monks and space wizards like yeah. that. Yeah, sh- that shit should really resonate with me. But like, honestly, if I'm being fully honest on this watch post Andor, I think Andor has killed that narrative for me to the extent that the original trilogy, which I think of as like the Bible of the series, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't quite communicate as well as Andor does the crushing inhumanity of the Empire, regardless of the dark side. 
the way yeah. that first trilogy works is the empire is just a way for the dark side to enact its will on the whole galaxy. Mm -hmm. But like mm -hmm. all that really matters is the emperor and Darth Vader and all the rest of it's just sort of like window dressing. And what Andor does is like, yeah, of course we know the emperor and Vader are there in the background, but like people every day aren't interacting with the dark side. They're just being crushed by the evil bureaucracy of this fucking fascist government. And like, yep. That in and of itself is also horrifying. I don't need the dark side to be horrified no, by it. Exactly. And so like, like, I don't know that I never want to see a Jedi thing again. I think there's still a lot there to be explored still, but like the way that Andor did it, I'm like less stoked on that. So I think that's what happened for me when I'm watching Rogue One this time, Darth Vader shows up and I'm like, yeah, he's scary, dude, whatever. I don't really care as much as I would have previously. And I think that's partly because of Andor. Now, granted, you know, when we get back to the Mandalorian and we've got our little buddy Grogu here using the force, I might get stoked on the force again. I haven't decided, well, yeah. you know, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but, but Andor really showed me how much potential there is, even if there's not a fucking lightsaber in the whole thing. Although well, there, there is a theory that what's his name is, is a force user, which I don't like that theory, but it's out there. Well, it's, I think a lot of it is because when you think of Darth Vader, you know, Darth Vader is pure fantasy. But right, when you yeah. watch Andor, you're like, hold the fuck on. That can happen to me right now. Regardless of this is yes. in space. Yes. This can happen. This can, this can happen to me where someone, a big, you know, half robot man with a lightsaber is never going to come after me, but the yeah. empire is. Yeah. Well, even the use of, even the use of droids, like it's, it's a bit excessive for something that would feel realistic, except for like the kill droids. Like, you, you know, like the, we see the version of them that isn't reprogrammed in Andor. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I mean, we're not that fucking far from that now. Right. Like no. San Francisco is trying to get approved to use kill droids in their police department, right? Like, they're like, we don't have them. We just want to know that legally we can use them. Uh, cool. Right. Thanks, guys. I love that. <laughs> awesome. I'd love to know that you you want prior legal approval to use death droids, even though you don't literally have any yet. Awesome. Good to know. You claim you don't have any. Yet. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think we could go on and on about this for a while. And, I, and, I, and mm -hmm. not that it's not worth it, but, I, you know, part of the, I think the, the tenor of the show is like how we all kind of knew we were going to like Rogue One. But like for us, and, and I'm sure for you when you first saw it, Prospect is a bit of a surprise. And I think for our audience, it might be a surprise for more people then I want to, that to be true for, because I just think not a lot of people saw that movie when it came out. So I'd like no. to transition to that. Yeah. Fully just saying mm -hmm. to everyone, if for some reason you're one of the few people who haven't watched Rogue One, I think it's worth your time, especially if you like Star Wars, even a medium amount, you should see Rogue One, because I really think it was very good. Well, let's talk a little bit about Prospect. I want to know, did y'all see this when it came out? Why did you specifically choose it? What is it that you like about it? All that stuff. To be so, honest, I, well, I'll say I, I watched it on a tour of Pedro Pascal's filmography. Sure. Yeah, he, that makes sense. He, yeah. Um, I mean, he's my favorite actor. Um, favorite actor? It's my favorite actor. Yep. Um, and what I was, think. What was the movie that did it? That was like, this is my dude. Um. Mandalorian, but I'd seen him in Kingsman prior. Um, I'd seen him in other things. And then I did a tour 
tour of the filmography, and I think Narcos sealed it. Sure. He's phenomenal yeah, yeah, and yeah, Narcos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Prospect, I think, is inarguably his best movie. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah, I think he is phenomenal in that movie, uh, just from the way that he speaks in it. Um, and my favorite part is that little blonde patch that Ezra has in that movie was entirely his idea. And I believe the director was not on board when he just showed up to set with a blonde patch in his hair. He called it, I believe he said it, he thought the character was under too much stress and would have a white patch of hair. Um, yeah, I think that's his best movie just from his performance and the fact that it is such a low budget movie, but never does it feel like a low budget movie to me. I think the magic, you know, that's one of the things about low budget sci-fi is how can you, what can you do with what you have? Like it's a magic trick, every single one of them, because it's like, how do we make people think that we're in this world that we don't have the money to throw at, to make it, to make it real, which is like the story of the first star Wars, right? How do we sell this thing Mm -hmm. without a billion dollars to spend. Right. And I think prospect really, really does it. Like it really nails that in a way that reminds me of movies like vanishing waves or all kinds of stuff that like takes even like for me, yeah. Primer moon. Um, like just just movies where there's not a lot of you know special effects but what there is just really sells an otherworldly feel you know and and i love that despite the fact this movie is set in space at at the core of it it's really about a relationship between two people and and i just i love that we did that in this space setting and we put the kind of put the science fiction second, but still made it matter. But it's really a story about these two, these two people. One of my favorite things about the movie, um, and the uh, the directors have talked about this quite a bit, um, is the production design process of it. Um, they had opened up their own production design shop to try to cost effectively produce. Um, everything for the movie um which was apparently a whole process in itself um but i just like i don't even know the right word for the vibe of just like kind of the tools that they're using and the outfits like everything is just so kind of it has like a weird vintage feel to it and it's like even even though the movie you're not getting necessarily a whole the whole story about this world and what is all of this and why are they doing all of this? I don't need it. I just, I just love the oddness of it. And I just love like being in the moment with what's happening in the movie. Uh, They don't need to lay it all out for me. Like I'm happy to just exist in this little nugget of this uh, toxic alien moon. I really like the costume design also. I thought it looked so cool. Like you're right. It's like a weird retro dirty. Low yeah. fi future, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, my favorite version of sci-fi is we have a bunch of jargon and we're going to just throw the jargon at you. But the way that we talk about it makes it clear what's going on. And so you don't really yeah. need to know. And what this movie does is uh, it's also, um, you know, uh, a crypto Western. 
Like yeah. this is literally the story of a ton of Westerns, you know, yeah, like this. I mean, yeah. it had a yeah. very big Firefly yeah. feel because of Pedro Pascal's dialogue, mm-hmm. right? Like, right, right. Did anybody and, else get that feeling? Like, ah, yes, Firefly. Yep. I guess so, yeah, because of the space Western. I All it made me think of is if, you know, as soon as it started with this whole, like, we're prospecting, it's dangerous, and there are people who want to kill us, but it's also not safe for us here. All I thought was, oh, space Western, I'm in, we're, <laughs> we're doing it, which is like, it makes sense, right? But it's the kind of Western, you know, you can kind of break Westerns into two categories, the ones that mythologize the expansion and the ones that have a more realistic view of what a fucking horror show it was. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm in the horror show camp. Any of those mm-hmm. movies where everything is bad that I'm mm-hmm. in. That's that's what yeah. I want to say. And this movie is that even though uh, the 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 there's not like a like a take on a society per se. There is this idea of like desperate people do bad things. And yeah. that's sold with these performances where none of the performances here are trying to chew the scenery. They're all, mm-hmm. for me, very realistic performances of people who are on the edge and don't necessarily give a fuck about the other people uh, or at least they don't survival. or yeah or they don't want to i think they t- come to care about some of e- each other but it's yeah. not that weird that they're ready to do whatever the fuck they want they need to do you know mm-hmm. and that's why i love why ezra kind of ends up get the bonding with c is because he's a piece of shit <laughs> at the beginning of the movie, he I mean entirely, yeah, right, and and then it, it's it's such a short amount of time to watch that character development, and it never felt rushed, and it never felt forced. It all felt very organic. I know Lindsay and I rewatched this this past week, and and she sent me it. There's actually a a short film that yeah. So it's it yeah. started off uh, it started off as a uh, short that premiered at South by Southwest. Um, it's like not a with min- not with Pedro Pascal and. Yeah, right, two, yeah, yeah, it had yeah, uh, two different, different actors. actors. You know, I knew about that when it came out, but I totally forgot till you brought it up. But mm-hmm. I've never, I never saw the short. It's one of those things that I heard people talking about, and I never got a chance to see it. Mm-hmm. It definitely proves that you needed those two actors in that role to sell it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. It had the charm. Um, you know, ever like everything else that was going on. Um, but watching the short kind of just made me realize the chemistry uh, between Pedro and between Sophie Thatcher, who Sophie was amazing as C. Oh, yeah. You know, I just think that she was just, you know, being a young female protagonist, she she was just a great character. She also looked young and old at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which yeah. probably sells yeah. the timelessness exactly. of this movie for me. But like I was watch as I was watching this movie, I was like, I can't tell if this person's like old or not old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, was, it was very confusing. Well, and it's also a reminder that being being hard as nails and being deadly are not necessarily the same thing. So like, yeah, she's not a super killer person. She's not necessarily going to win a gunfight, you know, if this was a more traditional Western or whatever. But like mm-hmm. when she cuts off his arm. Spoiler, I guess. Uh, <laughs> with a deadpan expression. Yeah, with a you realize unfussedness. She, well, she's fucking yeah. hard. She's hard as nails, and she is yep. because of her experiences. And you believe it. She sells it. It's not. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, why would she be able to do that? I don't believe that for a second. It's 100% you're like, yeah, okay, I see it. And that's how, in a way, I mean, you know, part of what the movie's about, she's kind of been carrying her dad, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's pretty clear that if she wasn't helping him, this would go even worse than it does, right? Like, I just feel right. like she's a part of why he's made it this far. And, as, you know, while it is true that the, uh, the I already forgot his name, but the Pedro Pascal character, Ezra, uh, Ezra. Ezra while he is a killer and he's more dangerous in some sense, maybe that than she is, she's hard. She's fucking yeah. for real. And he's, arm off. he's, he's in, not only just impressed, but a little bit like realizing how much he underestimated her because he was evaluating her only by her ability necessarily to inflict violence on him in, in a specific kind of way. But mm-hmm. that doesn't make her any less hard. You know, she is, mm-hmm. she has been made like a diamond in this environment. And that makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, something else I think that really stands out with this movie, um, because they stuck to, obviously besides the night scenes, um, natural lighting with this, um, if you'll notice, the their helmets and the fact that they wear them the entire time, pretty much, um, their helmets have more reflections than you're used to seeing, um, you know, in a, in a sci-fi movie that has space helmets uh, because of the natural lighting, because they're not kind of blasting lights to get rid of the reflections. Um, so the directors have talked about kind of the fact that they had to deal with that on set. You know, if they have like 20, 30 people kind of behind and everything, everyone would have to duck out of the frame. So that way they wouldn't get reflections on the helmets because they still wanted to be able to keep that natural look. And they used minimal ADR in this. So they filmed or sorry, they recorded uh, the dialogue with mics in the helmets. So that's why it sounds like it does, which I think is like really cool. Yeah, it's cool that they did it like that. They really I don't know, like you can tell just like all of the like the thought process and the work that went into this movie. And I think that that's what impresses me the most with it. it's definitely evidence of like that being the thing like that passion to delve into the minutiae of the world that you're building is what separates a good movie from a bad movie right like Mm -hmm. this movie to me is masterful like i loved Mm -hmm. it love love loved it and it's because of those attentions to details and stuff like this it's also a reminder for me that this inclination people have uh with properties like this to uh by properties like this i guess i mean things that are set in another world or another reality or a different space and time to say, you know what people need is all the fucking details that we can come up with. They need <laughs> to know every, now that isn't to say that, uh, I guess you would call that world. Building. That isn't to say that world building is bad. In fact, sometimes I've read books more than I've seen movies where the world building is so good. I don't even notice that the character development is subpar because I've been so sucked into this world that mm-hmm. I, I like really love it. That mm-hmm. does happen. But this movie is a reminder that, well, you can see that we're in another world and you know that these things matter to us, but like, why do the fucking ground gems that apparently have something that are somehow biological, why do they matter so much really? And, and, and where, what do they do with them when they get back with them? We don't really learn yeah, about them and you no. don't need to. Exactly. I, I don't care. I just think yeah. that I, that idea it's, it's not bad to have a bunch of context. I think context can be great, but if 
I think too often people rely on the context to be the mm-hmm. goddamn story. And this mm-hmm. movie's like, come on, you know they matter. That's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. Because the, the human drama yeah. is there. They give you just right. enough to enjoy it. Oh, yeah, I like a movie. I like a movie that I'm not told everything and I'm able to fill in some blanks myself. I and this is a movie where that works. I mean, especially that, you know, the biggest thing I think was the group at the end. Um of the like the group of like the rogue prospect prospectors that they meet up with. They're just all so weird. It's like I don't know, it's just fascinating. Like who is that prisoner there? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That is one of my favorite parts is the random painted red man in a box. Yeah, why is he weird? Yeah. What the hell is that about? <laughs> yeah. And then he's and then running out at the end. What the shit? Yeah, he's just wailing on a guy. (laughs) And even the reality that they don't know or care is like not only is it necessary, it makes sense and it sells them like who they are. They're like, I don't know, he's a guy in a box. I don't give a fuck. We're gonna leave him here. We're gonna leave. (laughs) Yeah, when they like have that when they just look at him before running off at the end, like just like that moment. (laughs) Yeah. And the God fact damn. that those characters so clearly didn't care made it so much easier for me to mm-hmm. not care. Right. Yes. 100%. Um, this is a random thing, but I will say, um, I don't know why I love this little detail so much. Uh, the dust in the movie, like throughout that you kind of see on the screen. That's floating. It's real dust that they no. filmed and they layered it over. They filmed it what? in a basement and then layer it. That's not CGI. Yeah, I just I was love just like, like yo. This is like a filter, right? No, they just put this no, on, like switch the on. I love that. that. They that's, filmed that's that dust. No um, shit. And I just like it. Just makes me love more. Like just all the little details of everything. Like it's just a aesthetically, it's a pleasing movie to look at. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm, like for me, it reminds it. Like I don't know if I can really make an appropriate like analogy but it definitely makes me feel the same way i feel when watching like wes anderson movies mm-hmm. it has yeah, like that yeah, same yeah. maybe not the same symmetry but it has the same authenticity while yeah, still yeah. being wes, if wes anderson did a sci-fi movie like this right no that's yeah. what i was thinking the whole time like yeah this yeah. feels a little twee to me you know what i'm saying like yeah, yeah. that's very but, fair but but the difference is I don't know that wes anderson <laughs> would ever make something this stark like this <laughs> this for me no. Because of the narrative and like, 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 you know, I agree uh, with, you know, what we were saying previously, just in the sense of I don't need everything explained to me. I go so far sometimes as not even needing a narrative. Like, I'll take a total mindfuck movie where it's not even clear what's going on. But but for me with this one, narratively, also what works is how truly dark it is and how her humanity kind of shines through in the midst mm-hmm. of that even though she's mm-hmm. also a product of that world that you can be human and also be a survivor in such a tough situation there's just something about that that's compelling in and of itself uh but also it's beautiful so like i i, I think that the, the set design of it makes me think of wes anderson but i also think he's less interested in something that's as hard as this, like this is a, yeah. this There's is a no yeah. whimsy here. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you know who, no you know, whimsy. you know what this made me think of is like more directors that would do a version of this that would be totally 
different, but it would have similarities. It actually made me think more of the Coens in the sense yep. of they've done they were, stories. Yeah. They about list sort they, of they list the Coens as one of their uh, yeah. their inspirations going the, into this. Because really, the Coens have two speeds, right? Which is like total whimsy or gritty and hard although yeah. even yeah. when it's gritty and hard they push the gritty and hard till it's almost whimsical and how gritty and hard it is <laughs> it, it's it, they really go so stark sometimes we're like is this satire or is, is there I, i'm thinking of yeah. uh of uh what's what's it called the uh uh fuck not the uh, my blood brain simple. just died no though blood simple i think is 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 more their early stuff i was thinking of uh the movie about the man where it's basically like a Jonah story, you know, it starts with the, with the, uh, it starts with the, uh, the fable, uh, uh of the, sorry, I'm getting, <laughs> <laughs> this movie doesn't exist. It does. It's exist. coming from inside the house. Let's, let's move on and I'll look it up while you're doing that. <laughs> then I'll interrupt it at inopportune time with the answer. Um, I, you know, not a lot of people saw this. I don't know what the promotion of it was like. What do you, if y'all had to find a way to like hard sell it to someone who was a little like, what is that? How would you do it? What what would you say to really sell people on seeing this movie? Because I think more people need to see it. Ooh. I, I this is one where I'm just like, I can't explain it. It's just incredible. It's a great story. It's got heart, it's got humanity, but it's also gritty and i just love i don't want to say a redemption arc because i don't think it's a complete redemption arc but there is a right, hint of yeah. redemption in it you know and, and there's at it's least a, just, a, a hope for humanity in it right like even if he's not a good person there's some essence of like finding <laughs> a way to be more human he found a little bit like this person who was com a complete monster prior to this leaves this movie maybe at least changing his mind a tiny bit. A serious man. A serious man was the movie I was thinking of. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, what about you? How how would you sell this to somebody who who maybe not skeptical, but just wasn't sure if they were going to make time? Jeez, what haven't we said already? <laughs> um... Well, I mean, you know, first it, it depends on if this person I'm selling it to is a Pedro fan. Sure. <laughs> uh, because, yeah, you know, because, I mean, yeah. because, because like, like Katie said, I also feel that, you know, this is one of the strongest roles that he's ever had. Um, so for fans of him, um, it's recommended. Um, but just outside of that, just someone that is looking for a story that isn't convoluted, that's still really gripping, uh, that has a great very fascinating character dynamic at the center of it um, that you mm -hmm. have uh, with uh, Ezra and C that is, like I said, just very aesthetically pleasing. Um, you know, like I, on my rewatch, I spent so much of the movie just kind of looking at all the little small details, everyone's costumes. Yeah. Like I'm obsessed with the fact uh, that the breathing apparatuses have like, it looks like a car air filter. Like that's, <laughs> that's so cool to me yeah. the fact that they just really i don't know honed in on that vibe for everything it just works so well i mean even like the feeding like pouches that they plug into their backs and all that stuff yeah so cool so no, cool. yeah it's it's great like that you know the fact that they just 
have so many cool practical things that make this feel like an alien world and this makes it feel like a different civilization without having to go above and beyond with CGI and flashy things. Yeah. It's great. I and mean, no even the part ship... of the story is unnecessary. Oh, it's definitely a very tightly wound narrative. It's a very yeah. tightly wound story. There's no wasted scenes. But mm-hmm. I, I was just saying that the ship reminded me of Mother from the first Alien movie, from the ship. Sure. In that movie. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So cool. So mm-hmm. good. Thank you guys uh, so much for making us watch this movie, by the way, because I <laughs> loved it. It's like, oh, it's it's definitely my Great. second favorite Pedro Pascal property at this point. So our performance, <laughs> uh, the first being the unbearable weight of massive talent. So, that was so great. good. Uh, so good. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, so good. I didn't know that's I had great. an answer to that question till you said that, Josh. And I'm like, yes, that's <laughs> that is now also my answer to the favorite Pedro Pascal question. <laughs> yeah, plug in that movie, too. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, I mean, I loved it. But something about Ezra is just so disgusting. Yeah. That I just love him. And, and I love that it tapped into his history of doing Shakespeare on on stage and yeah. i think that's partially why he delivers those lines that are really oh, kind of I nonsensical have, i have so the word well. yeah what's the word I the, yeah i have the ridiculous word for his dialect yeah um it's yeah <laughs> if i pronounce this wrong please no nobody yell at me um sesquipedalian loquaciousness yeah <laughs> <laughs> right yes uh, of but course, yeah it's, of i was reading an interview with the director and he was saying that you know that is part of what drew pedro in was uh you know seeing that that was like the kind of dialogue that he was going to be working with. Yeah. I, I told Leilani he sounded like it. a space foghorn leghorn. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's a, that's a character. It felt like a character trope to me from certain kinds of Westerns or other period pieces, mm-hmm. you know, and having that in this sci-fi context made me really happy. Yeah. I mean, not yeah. only would I recommend it to fans of sci-fi, especially fans of independent creative sci-fi i'd also recommend it to fans of of westerns right of mm-hmm. of yeah. of frontier stories of yep of also of nefarious outlaw stories because that's sort of what's going on here and i loved all of that uh and also that you know again getting back to when we were talking about stuff during whacking on track uh this movie has heart you know it it is there are stark moments i mean she does cut his arm off but <laughs> There's heart in this thing and uh and it got me a little bit, you know, that that this is the sort of thing and, and again, that might not work for some people, for some people who are allergic to this kind of uh sentimentality. You know, yeah, Josh, you, yeah. you said you said twee, which might be a little unfair because I know people who are goddamn allergic to anything twee. Yeah. Uh but there in is this household we celebrate tweet. I know you do. I know you do. Uh, <laughs> but there is a certain, I guess, if we're going to say that right, there is a certain Seagor Rossness to this, right? There is mm-hmm. a certain kind of melancholy that, What's that is, funny a is that it's the same strain of melancholy that's in the first Dune by Denis Villeneuve, right? Like with the, I don't know. I felt like very similarly with that movie, despite huh. Dune being this huge epic thing, it still has this like central like conceit of loss. Which is what this movie feels. I'll like have I'll have to think about that the next time I because I am going to rewatch it before the new one Dune comes two. out. Right, right, right. But but I didn't I didn't get that sense. But I'll have to think about that when I watch it again. But anyways, uh, yeah, check out this movie. And I agree with Josh. I'm so glad. I mean, I knew about it, but I it probably I just I hear about movies constantly that I want to watch, and there's only so much time in life. 
and I don't always make time. And I'm glad that you, you gave us a reason to make time for this, which is honestly why we have guests because they force us to consider (laughs) things that we might not always have considered. Whereas if it's just me and Josh, it's always going to be, what's a movie that makes us feel good or What's what's the movies that we think we should have watched by now that we haven't had a chance to watch? That's usually what we choose. So this is a nice opportunity to 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 try out both return to something familiar in Rogue One, but then try out something that we might not have had time for otherwise. So I really appreciate and I appreciate y'all making time for us. This is a this is one of our longer episodes <laughs> and it's been really fun to have you on. And I'm really glad that you were. This is the opportunity though for people to to hear all about nerds and beyond about the stuff that you're doing uh, and why they should really check it out. Um, yeah. So uh, for anyone listening, check out nerds and beyond nerds and beyond.com. Um, I think like we kind of touched on earlier, we covered a lot of different pop culture stuff. Um, so check it out. You may find something that you enjoy that we cover and stick around once we get a little bit more into convention season this year. Yeah, because um, we'll have you know coverage coming up for that because we always have staff that hop around to those. Uh, Katie and I will are aiming to be at New York Comic Con again this year, so we'll be yes. bringing some coverage from that. Yeah, and I will say that we are a completely indie site. Um, sure, you can yeah. use all this, all your support. Uh, we don't have any big corporate backers with us. Um, fully and female staff. We also, we all, yeah, we are fully female staff. Um, entirely. So, and I, and I wouldn't say that's purposeful. Yeah. It's not. Um, it just kind of happened that way, but it is something that we're really proud of that. Uh, Cause I, I think nerd culture, you know, people assume that it's kind of male dominant. Um, so we like, we like that, that we have an all female, all women staff putting it out there that, you know, we have articles that are competing with some of the bigger sites. Love that. Love it. Yeah, I I was really impressed when I checked out the site by the variety of stuff that was on there and a really an effort. You know, I think um, there's nothing wrong with sites that have a certain purview, but I like uh, a site that I think has such a variety of just truly nerd shit on there um, Mm -hmm. and is not interested in sort of saying like, this is what matters and this is what doesn't matter mm-hmm. um right. and and um when you all were talking about sort of the organizing principle of what you do it's similar to like cinepunks like like we uh don't cover as much stuff as y'all do but what informs what we cover is something we refer to as an economy of passion you know when people mm-hmm. are like well what do you care about it's like I'm interested in what you care about so if mm-hmm. you're gonna come to me I'm not gonna assign anyone to cover some shit I'm gonna want right. you to like find the the stuff that you are you know truly just a weirdo about and bring that to me like that's yeah. what i want you know so it's exactly I, what we do yeah yeah i yep. really appreciate that and i i hope people will uh make time to it i mean t- to be fair y'all y'all are are definitely uh uh have a bigger audience than us so i'm sure the people listening to this are already fans of the site but for the few like 20 or so people who don't know about the site <laughs> go check it out i really i really hope people do because i really like what you're doing over there and uh, uh i loved having you on thank you so much for joining us thank you for having us thank this you guys great. for having us yeah. yeah hopefully you'll come back and be guests again we can talk yeah. about yeah we'll talk about stuff. yeah i think we'll we clearly have more the, movies uh, to discuss yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we we would love to talk about 
the 2019 <laughs> cinematic masterpiece that is Triple Frontier. <laughs> I don't know what. Was, what? I don't, what have you not watched it? I will it's, defend um, that movie <laughs> to my death. Listen, watch yeah, it. Your passion. Pro- you're probably going to hate it, and it's great yeah. because we can we can argue about it for two hours straight. What are we? I'm I ready. I don't even know what the, we're talking about right now. It's a Netflix action movie called Listen, Triple it's Frontier. It's Ben Affleck, Oscar Isaac, <laughs> Pedro, Pedro Pascal, Pascal, Garrett Hedlund, and Charlie Hunnam. Charlie Hunnam. All Listen, right. and they're right. a they're a they're a a special a former special odd team former special odd teams that go on a mission to steal from a Colombian drug lord. Listen. <laughs> Triple Frontier. I'm all in. Cinema. I don't know. Again, I have a Fast and the Furious tattoo, so action doesn't scare me. <laughs> you this know what is, I'm saying? It's, it's been around. It's one of the most ridiculous movies, um, but it's, it's just, it's one of those, like, it's not a cult classic, but it's a cult classic for Lindsay it's and I. It's a cult I. classic if in we, my if heart. we're the cult. <laughs> it's a cult it's classic a cult in the fact two. that a lot of people hate it, but we love it. Yeah. I mean, look, I think having something that you enjoy that other people don't understand why you enjoy it is actually totally cool. It brings and, me and so much joy. I, I'm definitely gonna make I'm definitely gonna make time for it because uh that when I hear people like nerd out this hard on something, it really makes me be like, All right, well I'll give it a chance and we'll see what it is. But I you know, as long as you're ready, then if I hate it, I'm definitely gonna let you know. No, we're so be- ready. I love, I'm ready. I love we can't talk about it till we record it, though. <laughs> no, I understand. I understand. I understand. Yeah, gotta get this All on right. the record. So you, you're coming, you you're coming back date. on the show to do that to do that episode. Then, now yes. I, oh, I'm already excited. You We're know ready. what? We'll, we'll have it be a split. Like that'll be your choice, and then I'm gonna. Me and Josh are gonna meet heads on on and decide on some utterly ridiculous shit that oh, we love. Oh, I love this. And I, and I, I love really, this. And yes. I really hope yes. that whatever it is drives you crazy. Yes. But I don't know what it's going to be yet. This oh, needs I'm to so be a new sub-segment of the show. I love sure. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a Patreon exclusive, huh, Liam? Uh, I mean, we've definitely counter-programmed against each other before, where it's like, well, you pick something and I pick something, and I'm like, yeah, I picked this because I knew you would like it. And then sometimes he he likes it anyway. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, As we've said previously, uh, you know, uh, uh, subscribe, please, on whatever your podcatcher of choice is. Throw us a like. Tell a friend. Word of mouth is really the only way we have to, like, spread and get people interested, not just in this show, but in the whole family of shows that are on the network. So please tell a friend about us. We'd really appreciate it. And Lindsay and Katie, thank you guys so much for being on our show. You guys are so charming and so much fun to talk to. And uh, I'm really excited that we get to do this again over yes. uh, Triple Threat. I'm thrilled. I'm like, Can't wait. I, I'm like seriously stoked to check this out. Now. I might even watch it tomorrow. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. All in. I am so excited <laughs> to hear your feedback <laughs> from the edge of my seat. Oh, yeah. man. Okay. <laughs> cool. All right. Uh, Josh, anything right, else we want to say guys. before we wrap up? No, I think that's the end of it. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you a little bit later on down the road. Smoke bomb. Do you like spooky movies? Hair-raising tales. Insightful criticism. Judgmental hot takes. Then you're going to love Car Business, the horror podcast on the Cinepunks Podcast Network dedicated to all things weird and spooky. 
My name is Leo Donald. And I'm Justin Lore. And every episode, we're going to tear apart your favorite and not-so-favorite horror movies to get to the bottom of what makes these movies great, or maybe not great. <laughs> Whether it's The Beyond, Prince of Darkness, or Inseminoid, we dive in on a double feature every episode, and then we talk about it. Some of our insights are great, and sometimes we just complain. So if we have to suffer through it, so do you. Horror Business, available anywhere you find fine podcast products.